and when the oceans and the seas are flooded and you can say that they are flooded, they are gushed forth uh, or they are flared up uh, when they come into full josh, they are flooded or flared up here some ulama said that first Allah Ta'ala will gather all of the water into the oceans and then all of the waters will either sink into the earth or all of the water will be heated and evaporated Either way, first all of the waters will come in full force and then all of the water will fade away such that there is only a dry plain that is left. So these first six signs, or six, first six events, are events that will take place after the first blowing of the trumpet. Other ulama have said that the wild animals, when they will gather, they will simply be gathered out of fear that when the day of judgment happens, when the end of sorry, when the end of the world happens, all of the animals will gather together out of fear. All of the animals will gather together out of fear. Others say that all the animals gathering simply means that Allah SWT will make each and every one of them die on that day. Some have said that the oceans gathering and flooding together doesn't mean that means number one that the salt water and the fresh water that Allah Subhanahu has prohibited from joining together they will merge with one another, whereas previously they were not allowed to merge. While some had said all the waters would sink to the earth, others will say that all the waters will boil and then burn in fire, and means the intensity of this will be a manifestation or a precursor of the fire of Jahannam, that a fire will be lit that is so strong that it can burn and boil all of the waters of the, all of the earth, such that all of that water will evaporate into steam, and that is how then the water will end. And some have said that this water is a kanaya, that water is the source of all life. So when all water is gathered, then all water is eliminated. That is a metaphor and signals the end of the world and the end of the universe and the end of life on earth and the life in the world and the life in the universe. Verses 7 onward, verses 7 to 14, they're going to be mentioning six signs, uh, six events that will take place after the second blowing of the trumpet. That means that after everybody has the first blowing of the trumpet means this world comes to an end. And then the second blowing of the trumpet means the beginning of the day of resurrection, the beginning of the day of judgment. And when the souls are paired with one another. Paired can mean here number one that they are joined and they are matched and they are reunited. Paired can also mean that they're sorted out into different categories, sorted and arranged into different categories. What does this mean? That one possibility will be put into groups according to their iman, another possibility will be put into groups according to their a'mal. Like people will be paired with one another, people of ibadah, people of sidq, people of kufr, people of shirk. And also some ulama have said that all of the different groups that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in Qur'an al-Kareem Kafirin, Mushrikeen, or Mu'mineen, Muttaqeen, Mukhlisin, Sadiqeen, Shuhada, Salihin, all of the different categories of insan that have been mentioned in Quran, all the humans who belong to any such respective category will all be matched together and grouped together and arranged and sorted in those categories. This is the first event that will happen after uh, the second blowing of the trumpet. Next is Idal Ma'udatu Su'ilat. When the girl, infant, young girl who was buried alive, she will be asked, bin kutilat, 
For what offense was she killed? For what sin did she commit due to which she was killed? This was a tragic incident that the Arab practice used to have in Jahiliya that was prohibited by the deen of Islam that girls were buried alive. Baby, newborn baby, infant girls were born uh, buried alive. And now she will be presented in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that there was no offense that she committed, no sin that she committed due to which she was killed. But still the manifestation of her innocence, Allah ta'ala will want to do izhar of her innocence so that when he manifests her pure immaculate innocence, then he can be warranted and his justice can come into more wrath and his wrath can fall more on the person who killed her. Just like you can imagine in this day and age when people call somebody to testify in the court, so when the victim testifies against the criminal, then the jury and the judge is likely and feels warranted to sentence the criminal to an even more intense punishment. Just like that, Allah SWT is going to ask the newborn baby girl who was murdered to testify to her innocence and that she was not killed for any offense or due to any sin. وَإِذَا الصُّحُفُ نُشِرَتْ This is Suhuf is the plural of Sahifa. This is when the record of the deeds uh, and the book of deeds will be open. Literally it means when the pages and the parchments will be open, will be laid bare, will be spread wide. So this is another aspect that every single person will have to see uh, her own, uh, every person will have to see his or, own, his or her own deeds on that day. They will be laid open for them to see and laid open for each and every person to see. And this will be a day when the sky will be torn away. Means the cover of the sky will be torn away, it will be ripped open. You can say when the sky is stripped or when the sky is ripped open, when it's cleft ascender, when it is torn away from the world. So almost you can imagine that when Allah SWT will unpeel the sky, that is the meaning. So you can say stripped off, ripped off, when the sky is opened up, torn away, peeled and ripped off. This will also be a sign uh, that will happen after, an event that will happen after the trumpet is blown. The next is that that when the fire of Jahannam will be set ablaze, means that fuel will be put into it, it will blaze up, it will be heated up, it will be ignited and set afire. And then Jannah and the gardens of Jannah will be brought near. Then each and every single soul and self will know about all the deeds that it has brought about. Every single thing that a person did and brought about in this world is all something that they will find present and in front of them and they will be a witness to all of their deeds. So this is the ultimate thing that will happen and what Allah subhanahu wa means here is that at this point then every single when they see their a'mal every single soul will immediately know whether they are destined for Jannah or Jahannam but still the process, the waiting process, the process of hisab, the process of being led to the destination for the people of Jahannam will still be a torment but at this moment everyone will see the truth and reality of their deeds and they will be able to perceive it with a true perception and they will realize 
the magnitude and import and effect of their deeds and where their deeds will lead them. Then after describing the Day of Judgment and the different events that will take place at the end of time and then after the end of time and the beginning of the Day of Judgment, then from verses 15 onward, Allah SWT swears several oaths and that is to show the truth of the Qur'an al-Kareem, the truth of the verses of revelation of Qur'an, the truth of that book that warns people about the coming of the Day of Judgment and teaches people how to prepare for that Day of Judgment. فَلَا أُقْسَمِلْ بِالْخُنَّسِ Khunnas is plural of Khanis and Khanis is, uh, you can say, planets, some will translate it as stars that recede. It means the astronomical bodies, so Allah subhanahu wa swearing by the astronomical bodies that recede, that recede or fade away. So first and foremost are the planets, but it can also refer to other astronomical bodies. Sayyidina Ali who said that this referred to different planets that appear in the sky, such as Saturn, Mercury, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, etc., that they appear in the sky and then they fade away means that this is a field of astronomy, that there are certain times of the year, certain places on earth, certain altitudes, latitudes, longitudes, where a person can see these things in the sky, but they never remain there forever. It's only the sun and the moon that a person continually sees. Observation of the planets and other astronomical bodies is occasional. So they come and they appear, but after they appear, they recede. Al-Jawar al-Kunnas and they are such that they move and they travel and they hide. You can also say they run and they disappear. So the running and jawar, running and traveling and moving is an ishara to the orbits that they follow. And kunnas is that, well, when they reach a certain part of the orbit, they will no longer be visible to the people on earth. So, so to speak, they disappear, they fade away from vision. Some have said that this is this is to be understood literally and also in the sense that this is the building of the Qur'an al-Kareem. This is being referred to the Allah subhanahu saying is to the people that just as truly as the planets exist, even though they sometimes appear, planets and astronomical bodies exist, even though they sometimes appear and sometimes fade, just like that the angels truly exist, even though they will not always be in front of you, they come and they fade away, and they come to bring revelation to the Anbiya, and then they disappear and they run away, or they fade away and they disappear. Then Allah subhanahu swears the next custom, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا أَصْأَصْ And this is that Allah swears by the night when the night departs, this is the first translation. That the first is the night. There are two ways to translate this. Number one, the appearance of the night. So the new translate by the night when it brings darkness. The second would be by translating meaning the end of the night, meaning in the night, and when it departs from its darkness. If you take it in the first way, that in the night when it brings uh, darkness, then it has a symmetry with the next one. Uh, the next custom Allah takes us in verse 18. وَالصُّبْحِ إِذَا تَنَفَّسْ And by the morning as it breathes, literally as it breathes, so it means and the dawn as it breaks. So And the night as it darkens, and the dawn as it breaks. This is also taken as a metaphor for the authenticity of the Qur'an, that if you take it as the night when it departs, so you're saying kufr departs, and the dawn as it breaks, or literally takes a breath when it begins, means the beginning of iman. So just like you have that moment of the passing of night into day, you have the passing of the age of kufr into the age of iman, the age of jahili into the age of ilm, the age of dalala into the age of hidayah. All of this is brought about how? إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ Karim That indeed and undoubtedly this Qur'an, uh, this call which means this speech, yani this word, yani Qur'an al-Kareem, is a word that has been brought by 
honored emissary, and that emissary is not by Rasulullah Karim, it doesn't mean Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu it means an honored emissary means it has been brought by the angel Jibreel you will find the word Karim that is used for different things in Quran, number one is Allah subhanahu wa Rabbul Karim the Allah ibn Karim is used for Allah subhanahu wa first to his ihsan and bounties and graces that he sends upon humanity when Allah Ta'ala uses the word for insan, bani Adam. So insan is kareem because Allah Ta'ala has placed in the insan the potential of the highest akhlaq and sifat. When the angels are mentioned as kareem and here when the Quran is kareem and you're going to see that kiram and katibin that is coming shortly, the angels being kareem and the Quran of kareem being kareem is referring to izza, is referring to the honor and dignity and grace of the angels in the Qur'an and the Qur'an being Kareem is also referring to as Rutbah or what you would say it's Martaba, it's Daraja, it's high and exalted status. Then Allah Ta'ala describing Sayyidina Jibreel Islam, the Quran in and the angel Jibreel Islam is endowed with power and he is in the Arshan Adim, his rank is established in the presence of the Rabb of the throne of the Lord of the settled throne. So this is one aspect of Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam that uh, he has a special rank and a karam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in, another, in verse 21 is also about Angel Jibreel muta'in thamma ameen that he is obeyed. Muta'in means that uh, he is obeyed by all of the angels. He is the imam of the angels, the sayyid of the angels. He is obeyed by all of the angels who were also near the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he is ameen, he is trustworthy this is that ayah that when Sayyidina Jibreel brought this ayah down to the Prophet he was so happy so Sayyidina Rasulullah asked him that why are you so happy on this day he said on this day I am bringing you revelation in which it is mentioned about me Jibreel that I am ameen, that I am trustworthy and because I know that Allah Ta'ala's Quran is utterly abadi, is pre-eternal, eternal truth that means if Allah Ta'ala called me ameen in Quran that means I will always be ameen for all of eternity otherwise up to this point I have always had a nagging doubt and nagging fear that even though it's not possible for it's not even hypothetically possible for an angel to disobey in Allah SWT but still after all of the angels saw what happened to Azazil, Iblis, Shaitan and also what Jibreel saw he was afraid that what happens if I also fall out of the favor of Allah SWT so when this verse was revealed in which Allah Ta'ala called the angel Jibreel Ameen then the angel Jibreel was so happy and it's in that sense in the sense it, that is pertaining to the angel Jibreel, the revelation of this verse is the way that Sayyidina that he came as a mercy unto the world, he came also as a mercy unto the angels, and his coming was also a mercy for the angel Jibreel because it brought the glad tidings of Quranic revelation to angel Jibreel that he is in fact Amin. The purpose of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning this here is that the angel Jibreel is honored, he's Kareem, he has Izza, he has power, uh, he is the Quwa and he is also coming from the Arsh of the Rabb, the, the throne of the Lord plus he is Muta, he is obeyed and he is Amin all of this to establish is actually to establish the truth of the Qur'an that the emissary that has brought the Qur'an to the Prophet is trustworthy and also powerful to protect any interpolations from the Shayateen uh, into entering into the Qur'an al <coughs> 
says to all of the Ahl Quraysh that indeed your companion is not crazy, is not insane. This was one of the allegations uh, you would remember that the Quraysh had said about Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu So Allah subhanahu is clearing uh, Nabiya Kareem sallallahu here in this ayah. <coughs> then, وَلَكَنْ رَآهُ بِالْأُفُقِ الْمُبِينَ so specifically one allegation of being insane was that Nabi Islam claimed to have seen the angel Jibreel. So the Kufar of Makkah Karma said that's not possible. How could you see an angel? So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is answering, Walakad indeed certainly surely Ra'ahu Sayyidina Rasulullah saw the angel Jibreel Sambil Ufakil Mubin clearly on the clear horizon, on the clear manifest horizon. So Sayyidina Rasulullah saw Angel Jibreel twice. We've covered both so far in the Quran. One was at Siddhartha Muntaha on the Miraj and clear manifest in his own appearance and second what I mentioned to you yesterday that once Apostle saw him in the Adyan district of Makkah Mukarramah sitting on a throne and covering the entire being as large as he covered the entire sky from end to end and that is a hadith in Tirmidhi where Sayyidina Rasulullah said that the angel Jibreel had 600 wings and they spanned the entire horizon other than these two incidents the angel Jibreel would always come to the Prophet in a human disguise or human form many times adopting the physical appearance and likeness of a companion of the Prophet known as Sayyidina Dihyai Kalbi radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Sayyidina Rasulullah is not withholding the knowledge of the unseen. What does this mean? That Sayyidina Rasulullah does not himself know what is the time of the day of judgment. So there is nothing that the Prophet is hiding. These are things that Allah Ta'ala knows best. Another reason is that when the Kufar said the Prophet was insane, another example is that he was a magician and he is hiding some secret knowledge of magic that he has kept for himself and it is through practicing that secret knowledge of magic he is able to win people over. So here Allah Ta'ala is rejecting this accusation against the Prophet as well. And the Quran Karim is not the word and not the speech of any accursed shaitan. Again, this is a protection to show and also just recently we discussed with you the incident of the satanic, quote-unquote satanic verse means shaitan's waswasa. So here Allah is also reinforcing again shortly after the passage that we did about the guards of angels protecting the revelation coming to the Prophet Allah Ta'ala is making it clear that Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam's revelation is not in any way uh, cannot in any way be affected by shaitan so then Allah Ta'ala addresses all of these disbelievers that where is it that you are going which direction are you heading what direction have you taken? And this is held to be actually a calling out of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That these kuffar who are calling the Prophet insane and a magician, even Allah ta'ala is reaching out to them. This is the level to which Allah ta'ala has reached out even to the lowest level of humanity. So imagine if Allah ta'ala says this to the disbelievers, then that person who has iman, who has Islam, who has Iman in Quran and Iman in Nabi Salam, when they leave the teachings of their deen to go and do some sin or betray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or betray the sunnah of the Prophet then we can only imagine how much Allah ta'ala may call out to them that where is it that you're heading why are you leaving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and where is it that you are going to where are you going to 
in huwa illa zikrun lil alamin and know that this Quran al-Karim is nothing other than a zikr a great advice and admonishment and a warning lil alamin for all of the worlds so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rabbul alamin Quran al-Karim zikrun lil alamin Sayyidina Rasulullah rahmatun lil alamin this is the way that the Quran that deen of Islam is the last and final religion revelation prophet and messenger but who is going to take the zikr in that who is going to take the admonishment and advice and who is going to heed this? لِمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يستقيم. That whoever wants to be on Sirat al-Mustaqeem, whoever wants to tread the straight path and be steadfast upon it, whoever from amongst you desires that, they will find a great zikr, a great advice and nasiha for them in this Qur'an al-Karim. But, like we did for yesterday, who can want to tread the straight path? وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ That you have no will and wish, you cannot will and wish anything unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills and wishes that which Allah, that Allah ta'ala who is Rabbul Alameen, that Allah ta'ala who is Rabb of all of the worlds. So that means that ultimately in 29, the end of the surah is ending, that you need to make dua, we need to make dua ta'ala, everything is dependent on tawfiq, nothing happens due to a person's own wish and own desire. We must present ourselves to the mercy and fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask and beg Him that He will guide us. Then sometimes people ask the question why does Allah subhanahu wa need to take so many qasms in many places in this juz in these last surahs when he is talking about the <coughs> day of judgment. The reason is that well this is human nature uh, that something that is very very difficult to comprehend if somebody, some being we know is truthful if they swear to us about it, that even if it is difficult to comprehend, we will believe them because they are truthful and they are swearing upon it. So actually the concept and events of the Day of Judgment are not easy to believe. Especially remember that these verses are addressing atheistic people who have no concept of Akhirah, of resurrection, of life after death, the Day of Judgment. So because it may not be easy for them to understand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, using a qasm. And that is why our deen, Qur'an al-Karim, early on says, that we have iman bil We believe in these things because even though they are unseen and unascertainable and non-rationally demonstrable and non-empirical because we know that Allah SWT is true and Sayyidina Rasulullah is true and the Qur'an is true. And so when we know the truth of the sources, we know every single thing that is being mentioned to us in the sources. Next surah is Surah Al-Infitar. Surah Al-Infitar can be translated as the cleaving, the rending, the splitting. From the very first uh, ayah in the surah. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim bi bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Idha sama'un fatarat. That when the sky splits, when the sky is cleft, when the sky will be cleft asunder, when it is rent asunder. So this is again something that we have done before, but slightly different. Uh, many times we're even translating it similarly in English, but Allah is using different words in Arabic to mention some of the similar things, process that will happen. Just like in English I can say when the sky is reft asunder, when it is cleft asunder, when it is split apart. So just like that Allah spelled on these surahs is using different Arabic words. And then when the, again you can say it is the stars, 
It can also mean any and all astronomical bodies that appear in the sky when all of them are dispersed and scattered. When all of them are dispersed and scattered. And again, when the oceans are drained, you can say when they are drained by them bursting forth. Uh, so when the oceans will burst forth, but they will be drained in that way. I've explained this to you in the previous surah. Literally it means that when the graves are overturned. Graves by, by graves being overturned means that they spill, whatever is in them will be spilled out. So you take a container and you overturn it. Whatever is in it will come pouring out. So when the graves are overturned, it means that all of human beings will just be poured out of their graves, will be spilling out of their graves, will be flooded out of their graves. So these verses are also depicting the scene of the Day of Judgment. These are also depicting things that are going to happen after the uh, second uh, blowing of the trumpet. Each and every single self, person, soul will know what it sent forward and what it had left behind. What it sent forward, all the a'mal they did, what they left behind means all of the things that they should have done and they didn't do. What they sent forward means all of the deeds that they sent, good and bad. What they left behind was all of the dunya that is of no benefit to them in any way. What they sent forward is the deeds that they did themselves. What they left, another meaning of what they, is the deeds that they did themselves, good and bad. What they left behind are those that they didn't do themselves, but they left behind a legacy in this world. So for example, a sadaqah jariya, so they left behind a charity that continued to benefit, knowledge that continued to benefit, children that were pious and upright and continued to pray for them. So they got uh, sawab for all of the things that they did. You will find that in these different surahs, Allah subhanahu wa often mentions four things, the sky, the planetary bodies, whether it's star, astronomical bodies, stars, planets, etc., the oceans, and the earth itself. Because these are the four major aspects of the physical creation. The sky above us, the earth beneath us, all of the astronomical bodies in the entire universe, not just the stars that we may see from this planet, and then the water of the oceans of the earth. These are the four master aspects of creation. So over and over, Allah Ta'ala is mentioning in the Day of Judgment, all of these four extremely vast physical creations. And now with modern science, we know that the number of astronomical bodies and the astronomical universe, which is the entire universe beyond planet earth, is extremely vast. And compared to that, even the earth and the oceans and our own sky is not is nothing. But all of these vast, vast, vast creations will all be folded up on that day of judgment. So then again by mentioning these master uh, creations and how they will be folded up, very famous ayah Quran, Ya Ayuhal Insan, Ma that O oh, humanity would have deceived you regarding your generous rub, what has cast you into deception and delusion and illusion and distracted you regarding your generous rub. So it means that the whole purpose of these ayat up till now and even the previous surahs, surah was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would wake up humanity. This is another continuation of Fa'inat al-Tabun. That where is it that you are going? What has seduced you away from your Rabb? What has deluded you from your Rabb? What has distracted you from your Rabb? What has deceived you about your Rabb? مَا غَرَّكَ بِرَبِّكَ الْكَرِيمِ Such a Rabb that he is Rabbika. First of all, that he is your Rabb. Many times people stress on the word Al-Kareem. That yes, Allah Ta'ala is Kareem. He is generous and gracious and gives without us deserving. He gives without us asking. 
but he gives even despite the sinning, all of Hazim bin Karim. But here Allah Ta'ala is personally addressing each and every insan, ma gharraka, what has deceived you, it's a singular, what has deceived you, seduced you, deluded you, bi rabbaka, from your Rabb. So here Allah Ta'ala is addressing the atheist insan, that insan who denies the day of judgment and its signs, and still is telling them in Quran that, ana rabbuka, that I am still yours. I am still your Rabb, even if you have not yet made that decision or had that realization that you are my Abd. So even just as one letter, Kafka, some of us have said that this is the most merciful letter in the entire Qur'an, that when Allah was talking about atheistic, disbelieving, stubborn, disobedient insan, even for that insan, Allah is addressing him as Rabbika, that I am your Rabb. Allah khalaqaka fasawwaka fa'adalaka that Allah Ta'ala is that being who created you and then after that He fashioned you, He shaped you and then fa'adalaka then He proportioned you in, in He proportioned you in good fashion in a just manner, in a just proportion and whatever form Allah Ta'ala wished He wished that He formed you so this is the description of the Creation of man that Allah Ta'ala uh, created man from nothing and Allah is bringing, him to, bringing it to attention of humanity that from nothing you came into creation then in creation you were then fashioned and in that fashion everything was put into proportion which is this whole wondrous notion of the human anatomy and the human physiology and the balance and the equilibrium in our organs and uh, everything that is in our system uh, and then Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has done all of that according to his own will and wish. So here Allah SWT earlier had mentioned these four master creations. Now Allah is mentioning yet another master creation which is reflect inside of yourself. Look at your own creation, how you came into existence, how you were formed, how you were in due proportion, all your own bodily, physical, physiological existence and even your emotional uh, and psychological, neurological existence. All of this is a manifestation of a reality that you have a creator. How can you be deluded by him when even your own body is a testimony to the fact that he is your creator? So this ghandaka means when you are deluded, means that a person was disloyal, means that there is no loyalty and faith to Allah subhanahu wa despite the limitless, countless blessings that Allah ta'ala has sent on humanity. Humanity still is not willing to acknowledge Allah subhanahu wa still willing to lead a life of disobedience and sin. Here also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making it clear to Al-Insan that him being Kareem, one aspect of that is that Allah ta'ala does not punish immediately when you choose kufr or when you choose sin. So even the person after they are deluded away and seduced away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are absorbed in the dunya and disobedience and kufr, even then Allah ta'ala is Al-Kareem. So if one, if nothing else, every aspect of Allah ta'ala's gracious generosity, his generous grace, his karam, every human who gets that, that is also in hidayah. So every human being who gets any karam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, notwithstanding their kufr or their sin, that is a proof that they are getting hidayah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. 
some ulama have also said that perhaps one of the reasons why people have fallen into deception from Allah SWT is because he is Al-Karim that despite the fact that they disbelieve in sin they still get everything in this world so what they do is they start making they start looking at the world as the measure of their happiness as the measure of their success so when they see they have wealth they have happiness they have health they're deceived by these things and they think that therefore everything is fine and I don't need Allah SWT I don't need Ibadah they say now the Billah I don't need Allah SWT I don't need Ibadah I don't need the Sunnah why? because they're deceived by the Qanam of Allah SWT so generosity Allah Ta'ala's generosity sometimes people are misled his generosity is not misleading his generosity was meant to be guiding but they are so twisted so deluded so demented that that generosity that was meant to be guiding that actually becomes misleading for them and becomes a means for them to have heedlessness and pride whereas it was meant to be a means for them to do shukr and to obey Allah Ta'ala's commands so then Allah Ta'ala says in verse number 9 Kalla Kalla means that no, never, ever should it be. No. But actually you were denying the deen. And here it means that you were denying the, the, the deen means the day of deen. Or you were denying the judgment, the requital. You were denying the hisab. You were denying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's might and power over you. And uh, so first you can translate deen in the sense that it is in yom deen You are denying judgment and retribution and requital. You could also take it literally that you're denying deen. You're denying every single thing. Because deen is the way to honor Allah spontan. Deen is the opposite of being in that guru. Either a person is living a life of delusion or they're living a life of deen. That person who's leading the life of delusion has left the life of deen. Here also the rapt is from the beginning of the surah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the signs of Yawm deen So anybody who denies Yawm deen is denying deen. Anybody who denies the day of judgment is denying any need to live a life according to the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Deen is that way of life that will pass us on the day of judgment. And if a person doesn't believe in Yawm deen in the exam, then there's no need for the nisab, there's no need for the curriculum. وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ لَهَافِذِينَ So Allah SWT now is changing and making it clear that even if you deny your denial of a reality will not let you escape from it, will not make you safe from it. So indeed upon you there are certainly hafidin, they are watchful guardians over you. And what are they like? Kiram and Katibin. So this idea for you, they're Kirama. They are generous and gracious and honored, honor, honorable and noble. Katibin scribes. So they're honorable scribes who, what are they doing? They're keeping records. Ya'lamuna ma taf'alun. And they know each and every single thing. Ma is for umum. They know each and every single thing taf'alun that you do and you commit. Means that every action is being recorded and will be recorded justly and with honor and will be presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the day of deen. And then what will happen on that day? That innal abradul fi na'im. That those who af'al and a'mal were according to bir and taqwa, piety and righteousness, that indeed the virtuous and righteous and upright, lafi na'im, should be immersed in drowning in blissful bounties. And then the wicked that open and unrepentant sinners will surely be in the blaze, in the blazing fire of Jahannam. Yuslona Hayyom Din, and which they will enter and they will be made to enter into that, 
made to enter into it and roast therein on the day of judgment. Wamahum anha and they will never ever be able to escape from it. They can all can say number one, they can never hide from it, they can never be absent from it. It also means they can never escape from it. Once they enter, they can never escape and be absent from it. Before they enter, they can never remain hidden and concealed from it. It is an inevitable and eternal punishment that will overcome them. And what is it and how can you and how will you know? And what will let you know what exactly that day of judgment, day of retribution, day of requital is? And indeed, yet once again, what will let you know what that day of judgment, day of requital is? That that is that day when uh, no soul has power at all for any other. No soul will have any warrant, authority, ability for the sake, lam is for nafa, for the benefit of any other. And the matter and authority and affair will again lam here is for tamlik and for ikhtisas so the matter and authority on that day will be only and only exclusively in the dominion and domain of the sovereignty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is that day why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning number one that people have authority in this world sometimes people have authority, influence, position, say, power in this world and they can use that authority, influence, say, power to save themselves or sometimes to help another so here Allah subhanahu is saying that no there will be no such authority and power in any way whatsoever the only power and authority and command and decree on that day will belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala alone right? so but that this is to be understood in light of all the ayat very important in our deen and this is an increasing problem in our ummah that people understand their deen from just one hadith or one ayah this ayah has to be understood in light of all of the other ayat of Qur'an al-Kareem where Allah has mentioned we've done them in the entire uh, door tafsir this far about shifa'ah which means that the command will only belong to Allah subhanahu wa and he will give it to whomsoever he wills nobody will have independent intrinsic uh, right to any authority on that day only intrinsic and independent right and power and authority will belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala alone on that day. Shwata al-Mutaffifin A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajimi bismillah ar-Rahman al-Rahim Wailu al-Mutaffifin Mutaffifin, this comes from the word tatfif, babit taf'il Mutaffifin is ism fa'il It means woe to those who deal in fraud You can say the cheaters You can say the ones who do fraud Al-Mutaffifin, the surah is named after that. Sometimes it is also called surah al-Tasfif, right? Uh, he says it's curtailers, those who curtail the rights, who fraud, who engage in cheating. Fair curtailing is maybe a more precise uh, literal translation. So those who engage in curtailing and cheating. So the first aspect of this is literally that in terms of gale and wazan, in terms of measuring and weighing, then you will find that some people who cheat this is something that is prevalent in traditional societies where still today people may be mm, selling items on this basis. Now this is not 100% clear with these particular ayat or makir badni or the overall the whole surah is makki but some have said these ayat are also badni. Khairun Sayyidina Rasulullah, he saw some first came to Madinah Manorah. It was a habit of the people there 
that the merchants in pre-Islamic Medina, you can say, that when they used to measure and weigh goods to sell, it was very common that they would cheat the buyers and they would give less than what they paid for. So this eye was revealed where Allah Subhanahu wa then cleared up the commercial practices and of the people of Medina Manobra so that they would know that this pre-Islamic practice is not allowed. It was also clear to them by this ayah and the surah that the deen is not just going to be something about iman and the many, many surahs and ayat of Makkah Makkah talk about iman and Allah Ta'ala, iman and after day of judgment. But now you have the beginning of legislating interpersonal dealings, mu'amalat, mu'asharat, uh, societal relationships. So this surah is the beginning, one of the earliest beginnings of such revelation. And as all of you know, this problem continues right up to this day that there are people who uh, cheat or curtail or shortchange a person in terms of their weighing and their measuring. And uh, Allah SWT has mentioned both of these things. Alladina idaktalu. So idaktalu is from is the measuring. Alannasi yastawfun. And when they take measure from the people, right, then they demand their full share. Where the kaluhum. However, when they measure out for them, وزنوهم, or they weigh something for them, يخسرون, so they reduce it in some way. You may remember khusr, khusr, the khusr here means devastation of loss. Here means they do some negligence, some loss, some deficiency. So you can say they shortchange them in a bit. This, all of this is part of it, the thief. This is all which is uh, prohibited by Allah SWT in these ayat of Quran. Allah yudhunnu ula'ika annahum mab'uthun That do not such people realize that they will be resurrected and raised in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That yawmin adheem And that will be a tremendously formidable awesome day Yawma yukumun nasu lirabbil alameen And that will be the day when all people, all of humanity and mankind will stand before the rub of the alameen so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala try, first Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, making, is trying to convince people by this fear of the day of judgment to stay away from sin. So here in this ayah we realize that one reason we should, one reason we can increase our fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be able to stay away from sin is to remember all of these descriptions of the day of judgment and the trials of the day of judgment and remember the descriptions and the punishments and torments of Jahannam. These are things that we need to recall in order to be able to stay away from sinful activity. And just a few uh, brief, although one could spend a lot of time on this concept of tathfif because the Mufassirun have said at-tathfifu fi kulli shay that tathfif is in everything. In other words, short-changing, curtailing, cheating, and frauding people is not just in weight and measurement, but is in each and every single thing. Just one hadith about the specific issue of weight and measurement. One Sayyidina Rasulullah Rasulullah was walking by some tradesmen and he saw them uh, buying and selling and exchanging goods on the basis of weight and measurement. And he stopped by and said to them, measure and give more. So actually the sunnah is not required, but the sunnah adab is for that person to give a little more. So you may see that sometimes here that you will see, especially like when you buy hurry minutes and it turns out to be even, then he looks at you and he throws a few more on there and then he puts it in your bag, right? So that is doing amal on the sunnah, right? And we have husnizam that is actually, you know, the 500 gram, really is 500 grams. So that person will be doing amal on the sunnah. So that is something a person should do in the sense of doing more has been understood. So if somebody asks you to make food for six, you should make food for seven. Anything that whenever you have the ability to do a little bit more, you should always do a little bit more so that because it's not always precise. 
because you cannot always precisely determine the exact position of equity. If you do a little more, then you're safe from tatfif. And if you try to walk a fine line, then there's always a danger that you may spill into tatfif, you may end up in the gray area. So this is tatfif. Tatfif can occur in other things, right, as well, such as some say tatfif in salah. Tatfif in salah means short-chaining yourself in salah, leaving out the sunnahs of salah, the adab of salah, ta'dil al-arkan, not being patient and establishing a rukan with a level of patience. It can be tatfif in kira'ah, means not reciting the Qur'an al-Karim in tartiyah that we mentioned yesterday according to tajweed. It can be tatfif in hajj and umrah, going very quickly in tawaf and just wanting to get done, going to say very quickly and just counting down so that you're waiting for those seven rounds to end. That could be tatfif. It could be tatfif and not doing with the level of dhikr, the level of dua that a person should do it with. Tatfif can take place in fasting, that a person fasts from food and drink but does not fast from sins and sinful gazes and sinful uses of the tongue. That is also tatfif. A person has shortchanged himself in their song. Uh, tatfif in zakah, that a person doesn't pay their zakat in full or calculate it properly or tries to calculate it in such a way that it is more beneficial to them. So these are some examples of tatfif and the main ibadat, tatfif and ibadat. Tatfif and muamalat can also be just more than more than just kale and wasn't. It can also in the contemporary terms and once we explain this to you, that a person who is an employee and if they've contractually, if the nature of their job, if they've contractually agreed to work a number of hours as opposed to some other jobs, for example, the university profession, you're told you have to do so many courses, do so much service, do so much research. It's up to you how you manage to do that. But if you're in a contractual arrangement which is based on hours, hours per week, let's say 40 hours a week, one hour lunch break, so 35 hours a week, if you assign such a contract, then you're responsible to work for those 35 hours. The only exception of this is what they call the izni am and urfi am. Izni'am and Urfi'am means that in your entire organization, the widespread, wide-scale practice is that nobody actually works 35, and this is so widespread, wide-scale, that every single manager at every level up to the top knows this is the case. Then that means Urfan, Urf 35 doesn't mean 35. But otherwise, if you're working in an organization where the majority of people, or even half the people, many of the people work 35, then you have to work 35. If ever you're in a situation where you have nothing to do, okay, your boss gave you some task, you're done, then you have, all you have to do is inform them that, look, I'm free. After you've told them you're free, if they don't give you any more work, then that was their choice. They're keeping you on their payroll for free hours. Then you could even, halal, halal surfing, you could even do halal surfing email or any other thing you want, but you have to inform them. What you can't do is that you work in a place where the orf means 35 hours, is 35 hours, you got what your boss told you to do, you got it done, and now you just simply sit there. And you don't let them know that you're free. No, they own your time. If you are in a contractual arrangement in that sense. Alright? Uh, that said, some permissibility that okay, if you say if I work really, really hard and tire my mind out, such that I won't be able to do anything after work, such as study ilm, I can get this job done in 20 hours. But they seem to be fine, they've allotted me 35 hours for it. So I can take it a bit relaxed, so that I can be more fresh in my mind after my work for deen, that is fine. If they themselves view that that task takes 35 hours and give you a week deadline, you can draw it out if you want, that is also okay. Right?
So here are some examples of this concept of tatfif. That no, no, it shall never be that you can never ever get away with this tatfif. So what is Allah saying? That indeed the records of all of the fujar, the open and manifest and wicked sinners, will be in something called sijin. Sijin literally means a tight sealed place like a jail. Right? Sijin. What does that mean? That it's sealed and it's coming again. But once we finish it, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا سِجِينَ And what can let you know what the Sijin are? كِتَابٌ مَلْكُومٌ They are volumes and books that are sealed. By sealed means that once you die, there is no addition you can make, no deletion you can make, no amendment you can make. It is sealed. The record is sealed. It is bounded up. It is Sijin. So woe and doom and misery on that day to those who were the deniers and falsifiers of that day and of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those who denied and falsified that day of judgment and by denying the day of judgment they deny the Quran, they deny the falsism, they deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and none can deny it except every transgressing sinner. Mu'tadin is from transgressing and Atheem is deep sinner. Like Alim is all-knowing, Atheem is all-sinning. Mu'tadin, that transgressing, widespread sinner. إِذَا تُطْنَ عَلَيْهِ آيَاتُنَا قَالَ أَسَاتِيلُ الْأَوَّلِينَ And when our verses of Revelation recited to him, they say that these are just fables and legends of the ancients and old tales. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning what's going to happen to that person on the Day of Judgment when they deny uh, due to their denial uh, of this day of judgment. When they appear to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, what, uh, sorry, what, the reason why they deny it in this world is because they say this is just old people's tales. So what does that mean? Somebody tells you that Yechodah saw saw Purani Bate. Anybody tells you that, they're telling you the Urdu Bamahawra translation of this, Asatirul Awwaleen. That this is just tales of the ancients. These are just old stories. This is the way the Kuffar speak. Allah. So Allah Ta'ala says, no, never can you think like that. By no means are these just tales of the angels. But rather a rust has come over on their heart. Um, due to what? Due to all of the things they ever used to do. So what does it mean? Gasab here is referring to specifically their sins. So that a rust has come over on their heart due to all of the sins that they used to do. So this rust that comes over their heart, what does that mean, right? Uh, I mean, really, Yaksibud is deeds, but obviously it's the sinful deeds that are going to cause rust. So this is also proof from Quran al-Kareem that a person has a kalb, a spiritual heart, and when they commit sinful deeds and actions, then their heart gets rusted. Rusted means the vibrancy and vitality and nur of the kalb is finished. That same kalb, remember that saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Alast. Now that kalb has rust over it because of their sins. So why does that so then? When they originally saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Alast, but in this world then they do sinful deeds, such a rust comes on their heart, then then what happens? That no, indeed, then what will happen? They will be shut away and veiled from being able to see their Rabb on that day. 
So it means they will be in hijab from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. means in a partition from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will not be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of the rust on their hearts. So this is a verse uh, that Sayyidina Rasulullah used to recite, verse number 15, and cry. And repeat it over and over again. And many of the great Muslimin have cried over this verse. That can you imagine the state of humanity? That also the notion of la mahjubun, the notion here that they want to see Allah Ta'ala. Even though they were disbelievers in this world, on that day of judgment when they are resurrected and their kalb realizes that this is that same maybe place where we were taken for Yom Allah. This is that same Allah Ta'ala who has said to us, Allah to be Rabbikum, then am I not your Rabb? And we have said, Bala. They will want to look at Allah Ta'ala, even though they know they're going to Jahannam. But they will want to and they will not be able to look at Allah Ta'ala on that day. Why? Because of the sins they used to do. And specifically here, Although it's not necessarily this verse is saying, but it is in this surah. So the mutaffifin, those who do tatfif. So what was the beginning? The beginning was even talking about kufr in terms of akidah. He was talking about those who cheat and shortchange and curtail people when taking the measure, when dealing in measure and weight. The whole surah is about them, right? So it means that if you shortchange people in this world, we may be shortchanged from seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day. So it means that the mamulat are extremely important and our husn mamulat will affect our ability to see Allah subhanahu wa and having poor mamulat in this world can devastate our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa Also means here that the perception of Allah subhanahu wa is certainly going to be one of the heart and there's, there's many discussion on, by the ulama about whether a person will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with their eyes as well the majority of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah say that a person will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with their heart perception and with their eye vision but here is making clear that they will be mahroom of any and all perception and vision because of the sins they have in their heart so this also shows the importance of why we should want to do tazkiyah and tazfiyah of our qalb and why we want to remove the rust from our kulub, and that's why Sayyidina Rasulullah said, And for each and everything has a polish. Polish can be this rust remover, that is called a polish. Each and everything has a rust remover, and the rust remover of the kulub is the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we don't remove the rust on our kulub, we will be mahajub and we will be veiled and screened, uh, we will be screened from seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Then, uh, again, that was connecting into the whole surah, but the immediate rupt is those people who did what? Who were the muqaddibeen, who were denying, falsifying Allah Ta'ala, denying the Day of Judgment, saying it is ancient tales, so that means they are the kuffar, so the kuffar will be screened from seeing Allah Ta'ala. ثُمَّ إِنَّهُمْ لَسَالُّ jahim, And then, then each and every one of them will be you can say literally they will be exposed to the fire of Jahannam. It means that they will be burning and they will be exposed and made to enter and roast therein to the fire of Jahannam. ثُمْ يُقَالُوا هَذَا الَّذِي كُنْتُمْ بِهِ تُكَذِّبُونَ There will be said to them uh, that this is, what, this is what you used to deny. This is that punishment that you used to deny. This is that Jahannam that you used to deny. This is that day of judgment and then judgment and then punishment and then Jahannam that you used to deny. All of this 
will be said to them and they will realize it themselves but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say it to them again as izhar or as a manifestation of his vengeance a manifestation of his wrath a mass manifestation of his judgeful uh, retribution verses 18 to 20 Kalla inna kitab al so now the next the first was sijin now Allah Ta'ala says that no it shall never be uh, what does it mean that you can it can never be that the day of judgment will never happen and as far as for the kitab or the record of the abrar of the righteous virtuous pious they will be an illiyin so what are the illiyin again it's a sealed book but the Malaikal Muqarrabun, the close and near angels to Allah SWT, they have borne witness to, to that. So, Illayin comes from what is high. Sijin was what is close to the high place. So, some of the Mufassirun have said that because the Malaikal Muqarrabun are those who do tawaf around the Arsh, and the Arsh is the roof of the seventh heaven, which is called Janatul Firdos. So, these people's book of deeds is in Janatul Firdos. Can you imagine that person who on the day of judgment their book of deeds is sitting in Janata for those and that person is obviously going to go straight to Janata for those. Right? And who is it that sees their book of deeds? Those Malakul Mukallabun. Again, those are those nearest angels to Allah and the nearest ones to him have been understood to be those who are uh, the ones who do tawaf around his arsh and also Mukarrabun includes like angels Jibreel the ones who get to go into the div- uh, hear the messages from the divine and cross back uh, cross from the angelic realm into this realm they are the ones that are also close so Sayyidina Rasulullah mentioned this in hadith that uh, the difference uh, when the angel of death removes the soul of such uh, of the nafsi mutmainna so then Allah, the angel of death removes it so smoothly and silkily like a drop of water is extracted and then they take it and they wrap it up in the shrouds of the, the clothing and garments of Jannah and then they perfume it with the fragrances of Jannah and then they ascend with that soul to the heavens and as they ascend different angels that are in different levels of heavens each of those angels all of the angels in each of those levels ask that who is this Nafsumatamindah who is this purified soul and then the angels respond and give the name of the person and their father's name and they keep going keep going up and up until they reach the seventh heaven genital for those and there then Allah Ta'ala says they place the record of the slave of mine in the Iliyin and they place their book of deeds in the Iliyin and now take their soul and return it back to the earth and their grave of the earth because I created him from the earth and I shall return him to it and I will resurrect him from it so the root then this is another journey of the root that a person who has nafsu mutmainna will make that the root will be taken up from death all the way to generation for those and then brought back down to back to their body in their grave and then they will also be resurrected like every other insan will be from their grave on earth each and every one of us this nafsu mutmainna such a root who gets to go see the Iliyun and whose Ruz Book of Deeds are in the Iliyun and whose eternal dwelling is in Janatul Firdos with the Malaikum Mukarrabun and the Anbiya and Mursaleen and Sayyidul Awaleen wal Akhirin Rahmatul Alameen Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.
verses 22 onward again more about the uh, these abrar. So then, what's going to what is this uh, in the yun and gentle for those that they will have in the abrar lafi naim that indeed the virtuous and the righteous will be dwelling in these blessful uh, bounties. So this is in contrast again to the mutafifin. So they will be dwelling in uh, virtuous and blissful bounties in a state of complete joy and felicity. And they will be gazing from thrones or from couches. means that they will be gazing across all of the other six levels of Jannah. They will be gazing across and above and from atop reclining couches. You can also translate it as thrones. And you, they will be, uh, you will recognize the resplendence of joy and felicity on their heart. Means you will see the happiness and the bliss and joy on their faces. And they will be given to drink uh, from a sealed, pure uh, wine and beverage to drink. And the seal of that will be musk, will be musk. So some have translated this as let those who would compete, compete for this. It also means to let those who have longings, long for this. Let those who aspire, aspire for this. Let those who strive, strive for this. And the mizaj or the blend of that beverage will be from a place called Tasneem. Tasneem is a fountain in Jannah. Aynan, and Allah explains that Aynan starts a spring, and a spring from which water gushes forth like a fountain, like from Jannah. Yashabu bihal muqarrabun, and that is where all of those who are close to Allah Subhanahu will drink. So initially the Malaika muqarrabun drink from this fountain of Tasneem, and then if you know somebody who's named Tasneem, now you know where this name comes from, right? And the people in genital for those will be given uh, to drink from this special spring from which water gushes forth, not water, sorry, this pure uh, wine-like beverage, the seal of which is mushk. As we've explained to you before, when the content of wine has come in the Qur'an, it is not the wine of this world, but rather it is a wine that does not intoxicate. Why is it called wine? The reason, the same way that wine in this world intoxicates a person with a buzz or makes them drunk, this beverage, they imbibe joy. It's like drinking bliss, drinking joy, drinking happiness. That's why it's called wine because it has an effect on the person, but the effect is pure and emotional joy and bliss. That is the meaning of wine in Qur'an al-Karim. It's completely different from uh, the wine that a person uh, has in this world. On this issue of Tanafus, some people I've seen uh, think that this ayah means some type of rivalry and competition in deen and a'mal is allowed in Islam. In my humble understanding, this is a misinterpretation of this verse. Uh, it's a very delicate thing to explain. To strive, it is to follow, it means mutually. It means you should mutually all be striving for this. If you want to all be mutually striving and longing and competing, it should be for this, for gentle, for those. It doesn't mean competition in the worldly sense, which normally means you undercut the other person 
or you don't share with the other person, or you don't look out with the other person, or why? Because competition in the world is for limited resources. If you get the job, the other one won't get it. If you get the special note for the exam, the other one right, won't get it. This is talking about Jannatul Firdos. This is talking about the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The bounties of Allah are limitless resources. Limitless. So it's not striving for some limited resource that one gets or the other. So therefore, there is no understanding of competition here at all in the, uh, in the worldly understanding of competition. I've even seen people in deen, even people studying ilmudin, use this ayah to justify their leg pulling with one another. <laughs> one alim versus another alim, one wadama versus one wadama, sheikh versus another sheikh. It's the nafas competing. No, 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 it's not like that. It means you should strive for the bounties and pleasures of it. If you want to strive with something, you want to excel, right? By excel doesn't mean by undercutting the other person or undermining the other person or not sharing with the other person. In fact, our deen requires that if you can achieve anything in this world, if you can excel in anything and you have the ability to share that with others, it's an amana on you, you must share it with others. You cannot think that I alone want to get this and I alone want to get this prize or this award. This is not the way we think about the Akhirah. This is not the way we should think about the A'mal, A'mal Saleh and the Hasanat in this world that lead to the Akhirah. This is an incorrect way of thinking. Right? And this is something that has become very, very widespread uh, in people who were on Deen in their 20s. Let's just put it that way. Alright? So we want to make it clear uh, that this, you know, your, what is it called? Cutthroat competition that you use in your student years. It's not supposed to, it's not supposed to be like that in Deen of Islam. It's not supposed to be like that in Deen of Islam. I've even seen people, okay. In al-Ladina, in al-Ladina ajramu kanu min al-Ladina amanu yadhakun. So those who used to sin, they laugh and they mock, uh, they laugh at the believers, right? Uh, look, I mean, and again, I've told you this is something I've done for a long time, that look, if any of the quote-unquote secularists, if their behavior or words resembles that of the disbelievers. So indeed, those who sin, they laugh mockingly at the believers. And when they pass by them, they wink at each other. They wink at each other. Right? Again, in a mocking, sarcastic way. And then when they return back to their families, they return back jesting. Means they speak of them in jest. They go home and say, Oh, I have Malvi Sahib to see you today. I have a line with me. I have a line with me. Yes? They go back and they talk like that. They go back and they jest like that. They go back to their families. This is the way of the unbelievers. This is the way of the Alladina Ajramu. This is the way they talk about the Alladina Amanu. This is the way the secu- illiberal secularists of today talk about the practicing believers of today. And when they saw them, he said, These people are astray. This is the feeling Allah had to do is sit in the PI lounge. And this is the feeling that we evoke amongst several of the passengers. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. <laughs> right? Yes? Allah Akbar. And forget me much, the, the thing they can't stand is the women who wear niqab. Allah Akbar. They laugh at them, they pass comments at them, they wink at each other about them, they go home and tell them, I saw 
three ninjas today in the mall. What's the matter with them? They're so astray, they're blind, they're oppressed, they're oppressing others. This is exactly, this is exactly, this is Alladina Ajramu do this. Right? Wama Ursilu Alehim Hafidin. But the Allah says that, look, O oh unbelievers, you're not the Hafidin, you're not the wards and the guardians and the caretakers and the protectors over these mu'mineen. You have no ability, uh, you have no right uh, to do this. However, on this day, فَالْيَوْمَ means, means, literally means this day, but it's talking about the future, means on the day of judgment. So on that day, literally you would say on this day, but it means on that day, Uh, so on the on on the day on the day of judgment, then what will happen will be the other way around, that the believers will laugh at the disbelievers. While looking at them, observing them, and gazing upon them from atop those thrones. That are not the disbelievers to be compensated, or are not the disbelievers to be recompensed and paid for what they used to do, right? So here, uh, we would think that, okay, when we look at them, we will not be laughing. Here, the laughing is not in a mocking way. Here, the laughing is being done in a sense, uh, you can imagine, in a sense of happiness. The happiness, laughter is not always sarcastic or cynical. And certainly, there is no sarcasm and cynicism in Jannah. And the Ahl Jannah cannot express sarcasm. It's a sense of happiness looking at them and expressing a joy that we didn't follow them. Expression of a joy that we didn't let their mocking hurt us. An expression of joy that we didn't let their cynicism and sarcasm make us also leave the way. We didn't follow them. We listened to their laughter in this world and their mocking and their jest, but we didn't let it change us. Now today we are happy when we see where they are. So it's not that looking at them and laughing at them, it means when they gaze and see what happened to them and they end up in Jannah, they will express their joy and happiness that thanks to Allah Ta'ala we didn't follow them, we didn't let their sarcasm affect us. Right? So here ends the Surah Al-Mutafifin. Next Surah is Surah Al-Inshikaqa'ala-Milamina-Shaytan-Rajimim-Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ Again you have another word, which again we will translate for you with, I'm running out of English words, but the, when the sky bursts open, you can say cleft asunder, rent asunder, burst open, split, shattered, right? So you can say maybe when the sky bursts open, in Chicago here again, the same thing is the split apart. You can keep calling it split apart, when it's split apart, when it bursts open. Here it's just a bit stronger. In Chicago it's you know, when you split something and it bursts, and it, so there's a sense of bursting, when it splits apart, uh, when it's burst asunder. And then what will happen is that the sky itself will hearken to its rub. You can say it listens and hearkens to its rub, uh, and then it will obey. It obeys means that here the sky will be given its due. So here, Again, we're talking about uh, things pertaining to the Day of Judgment. And uh, so let me finish this and then I'll explain a few comments. And when the earth will be stretched out, spread out, laid out, 
and then every single thing that is in it will be cast out means it will make itself empty it will cast out all that is within it and it will empty itself that is what the earth will do and the same thing that then the earth will listen and hearken to its rub and it will obey and it will uh, get what it, it is due Okay, bhukat as it ought to, it will obey as it ought to, and it will get what is due. Ya ayuhal insanu inna kaadihun ila rubbika kadhan fmolaqih. O insan, that indeed you are toiling and you are making efforts in your journey and towards meeting your rub, and soon you will meet the fruit of your efforts. Means soon you will meet Allah subhanahu wa taala. So before I do this, and why is Allah subhanahu wa taala keep mentioning this thing about the sky and the earth? Here is no mention of the planetary balance and the oceans. Basically, you can imagine that Allah Ta'ala is making an entirely new world for the Day of Judgment to happen. This entire world will be folded away, and an entire new world. Another is that this will show the power of Allah Subhanahu Wa This will also be the awe that the people will have in the Day of Judgment. That this Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa has just wrapped up and folded away the entire universes and all of the earth as we know it. It will be part of the awe-inspiring nature of that Day of Judgment. Then, uh, also, then it is also to level humanity, so nobody will be a former American, former Pakistani, former Manchin older, form, former humble dweller. All of that is finished. Every single thing of our history to eliminate all of our history, our background, our settlements, our residences, our cultures, our societies, our zamanas to level humanity. Level means to level them all down to a single level, and. Uh, also to manifest his oneness in terms of shirk that people used to worship the sun and the planetary bodies and the stars or the rocks or the trees or anything all of that will be finished so all of these are reasons why and you've seen in all of these surahs that Allah subhanahu is going to uh, eliminate every single thing in this world so what does it mean when Allah subhanahu says here about the sky and the earth uh, so what does it mean that it will first of all that means it will listen it will hearken it will come and means it was mandatory that it obeys it obeys as it should as was its due and it has no type of choice so there are actually the two types of commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one are those commands that hukum of Allah ta'ala that is what we call shari'i or tashri'i that Allah ta'ala legislates and we are free will we obey or we disobey and we are going to be faced with that decision there is another type of command of Allah ta'ala which is taqwini umur sometimes called taqdiri umur these are things that there is no question of obeying or disobeying there is no choice there there is no option there it is his command and it must be fulfilled out so this is what it means that the sky and the earth will have no choice they cannot say, Allah Ta'ala, we are not guilty, you are lefting me asunder, you do with the human beings, what did I do? The earth cannot say, you are loving me, spreading me flat, what did I do? No, it will obey willingly and will have no choice to do so, it must obey, it must follow. This is also a manifestation of Allah Ta'ala's power over these uh, vast bodies and over the entire universe. That after mentioning all of this aspect of power, then Allah Ta'ala addresses in some, that, O oh, humanity, that indeed you are striving means to put full effort into something. So, you are making tremendous effort, you are putting all of your effort, you are working hard constantly to reach your rub, and then you will have to meet your rub. Right? Okay.
Ila Rabbika Kadhan, this also means Ila Lika Rabbika Kadhan, that you are striving towards the meeting and the mulaqat with your Rabb. So all people are striving for this. Whether it is, it's not to say positive, Kad means striving, you're working for that. Whether you're working with bad deeds to meet your Rabb, or you're working with good deeds to meet your Rabb, everybody is working. Like every employee in a factory, and then at 5 p.m. the manager is going to make a round. Everybody is striving for that round. Whether they're striving in a good way, they're striving in a bad way, everybody's proceeding on an action, a course of deeds and actions until they meet their Rabb. So the end result then is, in, what is this mulaqat? This is called death. And after death and resurrection, then all of the efforts and deeds, whether the striving was good, whether the striving was bad, whether the striving was in hasanat, whether the striving was hasanat, so verse 7 to 15 is then going to mention the first category of people whose striving was in the hasanat. And for that person who was given their book of deeds in their right hand, that indeed an easy hisab will be taken from him. What does this mean? Because sometimes we had thought that the hisab takes place before the book is given. Some say the hisab is taken after the book is given. Alright? Now, different ways to understand this. If, first of all, we say that the hisab was taken before the book was given, uh, then here Allah is saying, is it okay after they got the book in the right hand, before they got it, an easy reckoning will be taken from him slight possibility that no, they first get it in their right hand and that means that they will have an easy reckoning and then again after the hisab it will be given back to them in their right hand. Either way, the ashab of Yameen are the people whose hisab has usur, whose hisab is easy. Easy doesn't mean unjust. Easy doesn't mean Allah Ta'ala is going to be unjust. But it means that when Allah Ta'ala's justice deals with them in their hisab, it will still be easy for them because their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. The truth means that he will then return to his family, or he will return to. Ahl can mean family, Ahl can also mean people, Ahl can mean his ummah. If he was the member of the ummah, the whole ummah was watching him, uh, he will return back to his ummah delighted. Uh, and this is. Uh, and also, Ahl can also mean his Ahl of the Akhirah, it means his Ahl who were companions in Jannah. So all of these things are meaning. Uh, more likely that it means Ummah initially and then Ahl and Akhirah because a person will be raised in their Ummah and their judgment will take place in front of their Ummah. Somehow we have taken this to suggest that a person's judgment, Hisab, will be taken in front of their family in terms of their Ahl, right? Which is an even more scary thing for many of us that our Hisab is taken in front of our father, mother, spouse, children, etc., siblings. And again, so all of those meanings can be there. All of those meanings can be true. You don't have to pick any particular one. They can all be understood simultaneously. So this is the category of those people who are receiving the book in their right hand. Next category, And that person who is given the record behind his back. In some ayats in Quran you have mentioned that in the left hand, here it says behind the back. So some have said that they've done tatbik, they've reconciled between this, that it will be given, the right hand will be in the front, and if they're given the left hand, it will be given in the back. 
So right also means front and left also means back. So there's no contradiction that left is here and the back is here. It means it will be given in such a way that the left hand will be on their back. Other ulama have even said that the right hand, because the right of righteousness, it will be protruding from their front. And the left arm, because it is the left, indicates regression into Jahannam. So the left hand will be protruding from the back. Allahu Akbar. But either way, it will be given to them in their left hand and will be given to them behind their back. And such a, prefer, such a person, Fasofa Yad Uthubura, that soon such a person, they will call for destruction. They will cry for their own destruction. What does that mean? That they will yasla uh, saira and then will be made to enter the roasting blaze. Who was that person? Inna hukana fi ahlihi masruda. So again, this is why they say that Ahl means family, that for he used to be happy in his family or happy in his community. He can also be happy in his ummah or his community on earth. means he was a happy person. He was so absorbed in family life in a negative way. means he was absorbed in the materialistic, materialistic aspect of family life and life in the world. So much that he was not worried about the afterlife. Right? And this is, you know, so sometimes people say, uh, that you know how uh, the disbelievers seem to us to be very happy in this world. But yes, that's also in Quran. Innahu kana fi ahlihi masrura. So they're living an idyllic family life in, in some atheist family, living an idyllic, happy, go lucky family life in some suburb in some country in the West where they're all where the whole family is atheist. They're happy. They're living a happy life. Outwardly happy. Means intellectually, mentally, materialistically, bodily happily but not spiritually happy because they're atheist. There's no spiritual concept of happiness for them. So when they come to Allah on the day of judgment, right? So what does Allah say? So this person used to think that they would never ever return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's part of the reason why they were happy. That's the reason they were happy. It means happily doing sin because there's no judgment. Happily not serving humanity because there's no judgment happy in not worshipping Allah Ta'ala because there's no judgment happy in not following the sunnah of his anbiya because there's no judgment so they were completely happy and content in that they were masroor so then what will happen on the day judgment when they actually do return to Allah Ta'ala yet indeed but indeed ever his rub was ever watchful and seeing upon him what does it mean to the person was happy because they had no concern for their deeds when they come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then they will see that Allah ta'ala was watchful over my deeds means that Allah ta'ala had kept a record of all of my deeds I will not be reckoned for my deeds that is one example of a person who will get their hand in their left so this is a left hand and they get their book of deeds in the left hand behind their back so this is also you can remember earlier in Quran Allah ta'ala mentioned that you're Spouses and children means family can be fit there for you such that they distract you from the worship of Allah SWT. Falaqsim may be shafaq is going to swear an oath here now on four things. Shafaq is twilight. So Allah SWT takes an oath by the twilight. Uh, and this is the twilight, you can say, at the Maghrib, because next is coming Walayl, so the Maghrib evening sunset twilight glow, Walayl and the night, and by what everything the night envelops, uh, what the night envelops, what the night enshrouds. And then when the moon, when it is full, so when the full moon means the white moon, 
And you will certainly proceed from one journey, from one stage to another, from one level to another, from one tabqa to another. And so what is the matter with them that they don't have iman, they do not believe? So you will all have to make sarda. Uh, when the Qur'an al-Kareem is recited to them, they don't prostrate, they don't make sarda. So this can mean, number one, specifically about these ayat sarda, that when the ayat sarda are recited, we don't at the appropriate time. So we can do this after Maghrib Salah, make sarda. It can also mean that when the Qur'an is recited to them, they don't fall prostrate in all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in attestation to him they're not moved by the Qur'an al-Kareem so much that they're humbled in prostration it also means that they don't pray salah and it also means that they don't believe in that Qur'an they don't submit to that Qur'an they don't give up everything they have for that they don't give up their lifestyle for that Qur'an but rather what happens is that those who disbelieve they chose to deny and falsify but Allah subhanahu is aware uh, is a'lam is even more aware is most knowing of everything what they hide and they keep inside sorry what they hide and they keep inside so they forgive them glad tidings, but it's not really glad tidings. So you should say, فَبَشِّرْهُمْ Give them tidings, بِأَذَابٍ alim Of a painful, tormenting punishment. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَأَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ Except for, give the tidings of a painful punishment, except to those people who did take iman and who did righteous works and good deeds on the basis of this iman, and to each and every them will be an أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ will be a reward that is limitless and unending, uh, a reward that never fades, that never diminishes in any way. So this was the end of Surah in Chicago, one thing that had to just be mentioned over here, you can understand the twilight night, uh, late part of the night, this is just different phases, Allah Ta'ala is doing custom over different aspects of the night. The twilight is the beginning, then when the darkness comes, then when it enshrouds, I mean when it becomes in the middle of the night, pitch black night, when all is quiet and the darkness has enveloped everything and everyone is in their homes. So this is also for a person to remind themselves of uh, the ultimate level of darkness but then you may have a night in which is a full moon and the full moon the moon also goes through different states and stages just like our lives will go through different states and stages after death uh, just like our, in our world our life went through different stages just like that after death on the day of judgment there will be different steps and stages to that process and so the nation of insan is that we're always moving and changing and progressing from one stage to another from one level to another from one tabqa of another whether that is the ages and stages of physical life or even emotionally we are always moving you're never on the same condition spiritually a person is always moving materially, economically a person is always moving sometimes from difficulty to ease sometimes from ease to difficulty sometimes from sickness to health sometimes from health to sickness this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah said that in this world that you are like Wabur Sabil you are like a traveler on the path so what is the traveler on the path? the traveler on the path is always moving always moving from stage to stage so there's no sense that life simply speaking the meaning of this was that life is a journey that life is a I mean I'm just doing a verse, verse 819 life is a journey 
So what's the matter with them that they don't believe that there's so many things on the stages of life and on this journey that could bring them to Iman? So when a person adopts kufr, it's not one moment of kufr. They move from moment to moment to moment of kufr, stage to stage to stage to kufr, neglecting one after the other of things that occur in their life that could have been a means for the hidayah, could have been a means for their iman. So they've chosen to deny stage after stage, step after step. But Allah Ta'ala knows well what they hide and conceal, what they amass and what they gather for one another, what they store and what they amass in secret. You know. Alright, and then the last three verses were clear Surah Baruch. Alright, Imam Timothy Allah Ta'ala has met. But let me just read this out. But let me just read this That indeed the Allah Ta'ala takes a custom once again by now. Buruj, you can say that Buruj is the sky which is of starry constellations. The sky which has starry constellations, or you can call it stellar formations. Uh, stellar formations or constellations. Uh, so this is the name of the surah, and this word again is coming in the very first ayah. Well, yomil ma'ud, and then Allah Ta'ala discussed by the promised day. So the star constellations is also a manifestation of the power of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and the day of judgment is a manifestation of the power of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. وَشَاهِدُ وَمَشْهُودُ And by the day, by the witness and the witnessed, literally means by the witness and the witnessed, who is that shahid? So by the witness and the witness that by the day on which people will present themselves and the day on which people will be presented. Kutila ashabul ukhdud that perished indeed will be the people of the trenches, Annari Datil Wakud and those of the heavily fueled fire, Idhum Aleha Ud and then they used to when they used to sit over uh, those trenches of the heavenly fufa and they sit over it, they used to supervise it. Uh, and they were witnesses and watching to what they were doing in the believers. minhum and they could not find any fault in those believers except that they had Iman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Almighty, the only praiseworthy one, that being who to whom alone belongs the dominion and power and sovereignty over all of the heavens and the earth, and Allah is witness over each and every single thing. So the conrupt here between this surah and what has come before is the sky was mentioned in many of the first verses. Here Allah is mentioning the stellar formations or constellations that is in that sky. What is this referring to? So in the early period of the deen of Islam, in the early Meccan period when the Muslims were weak and they were few in number, uh, when the Muslims were weak and they were few in number, uh, then uh, they had a lot of difficulties from the Kuffar and Sayyidina Susim used to keep comforting them and giving them glad tidings and the disbelievers used to be upset that we have been given the power, we have given the, we have been given the respect, so we deserve to be followed, as opposed to this person, Yani Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. So in the surah, Allah Ta'ala is again consoling the believers and boring the disbelievers that we can change the condition at any time. When Allah Ta'ala swears on the buruj and the constellations of the sky, so the desert Bedouin Arabs, they used to see that the constellations, stellar formations, patterns in the sky changed. 
So when Allah Ta'ala has the ability to change the map that you see in the sky, Allah Ta'ala has the ability to change the landscape of Iman versus Kufr on earth. This was just a manifestation of the power of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Also, by invoking the stellar formations, it means Allah Ta'ala is invoking the seasons, the changes of seasons and everything that that brings, whether it's summer and winter, whether the waiting or the fading, uh, the extending or the waning of the day. All of this Allah Ta'ala is invoking His power of time and change and season and weather. All of this is understood here by this first custom. Second custom is obviously Allah Ta'ala is swearing by the Day of Judgment. Uh, swearing by the Day of Judgment. That to hear we've done enough. Here Shahid and Mashud, some uh, the reason the Jami of Imam al-Tirmidhi that the Shahid is the Day of Judgment. So the day which presents itself is the Day of Judgment. That will happen on its own. And Mashud is the day that people witness. So that is Yom al-Arafah. That this is the ultimate day of Tawbah and Maghfir and Rahmah, Yani Ninth Zulhijjah. That is Mashud, that is the day that is witnessed by people. And Shahid, the day of judgment, will present itself. So, this is, uh, looking at this hadith, it shows you, and it's coming very soon, the great importance of this Ninth Zulhijjah, right? And that is the ultimate day that we are allowed to witness, and we can witness the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the karam and rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a long hadith in Sahih Muslim that mentions this issue of the Ashab al I will just try to summarize this. Uh, but here this is, uh, Sayyidina Sallallahu once recounted this ish- story to the Sahaba of a king who lived in earlier times. And uh, the king had a, you could say a magician, and the magician was growing old and so the magician wanted somebody to succeed him so the king started sending a boy to learn from the magician every time the boy had to pass that magician to go to the magician to learn from him he used to pass by a monk one day he sat with the monk and he got more impressed with the monk than the magician he got impressed more with the teachings of iman than the teachings of magic but the magician started getting to get angry uh, and uh, it's a long story uh, but Eventually, the boy started spending so much time with the monk that he started getting more and more onto deen and onto iman. Such that because of his iman, he had the ability to manifest what we call karama, like Sayyidina Isa al-Islam and Mu'jiza. So this boy who had spent so much time with the monk, there's a decent Sahih Muslim, that the boy was able to cure people who were born blind, cure people by making dua for them. And so... Uh, the boy obviously became very famous and then the king summoned him and said but the king thought it was his magic so the king summoned the boy and said your magic has reached such a state that you can cure the blind etc etc so the boy said no it's not my magic I can't cure anyone it's Allah Ta'ala who cures I make dua for them so then the king wanted to find out how where did you learn this and so the boy wasn't telling because he was afraid for the monk so the king tortured him uh, until he revealed the name of the monk. Then the king brought the monk to him and the king told him to renounce the deen. This is the true deen of the time. You can call it the monk or the religious person of that time. Uh, and then, and when the monk refused to do so, he took the king brought a saw and he cut that person in half in front of everyone and just made two pieces of him there, right there in his life. Uh, 
Uh, and then there was one of the ministers of the king who had been cured by the boy because the minister was blind and the boy had cured him. So he turned to the minister and said, you renounce this faith. And he said, how can I renounce this faith when I've been cured by means of this faith? So he took the minister and also cut him and sawed him into two. Then now the king looked to the boy and told the boy, now you renounce this faith after already killing these two people. And the boy also refused, so the king then had been imprisoned. And he told him to take those guards to take him to the mountain. And they told him that if he renounces his religion, then set him free. And if he doesn't, then throw him off the mountain. So then again, the boy made dua to Allah on the mountain, Allah Ta'ala protect me. It's a long story, but then the mountain then shook and then tossed those guards, however many they were, off the, off the mountain. They fell to the death and the boy came back to the king. So when the king asked where the boy was, the boy said that I made this dua to Allah Ta'ala. The king didn't go back, he told some men, took him to the ship and to the middle of the ocean and cast him overboard. Again he made dua, again the ship capsized and all the people were drowned but the boy returned back to the king actually it's a very long hadith in Sahih Muslim right but many of you have probably never heard of this hadith so here again the boy comes back to the king and the king asks that where are the men and he says well I made dua ta'ala ta'ala and then the water drowned all of the men and I'm back but the boy keeps coming back thinking that the king will take imam right that is so clear right so clear the boy then told the king that look that means that you cannot kill me. You will not be able to kill me. Except by one method. So the king asked me and said, Well, what is that method? He said that I can gather all of your people, all of your disbelieving type people, on the field and tie me to the trunk of a tree. Then take this arrow of mine, place it in my bow, and then say in the name of the rub of this boy, and then shoot the arrow, and then I will die. So... Uh, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu explained to the Sahaba that the boy knew that the king would kill him so he thought of this method to make his death an invitation to deen and dawah for the people. But actually the arrow will kill him, right? Because he won't make the dua to Allah Ta'ala to save him, right? But the people will say that look, the arrow only killed him because you said it in the name of his rub, so his rub must, must be true. Love of person. Young boy is such a hakim dai, right? So... Uh, so the king could he didn't know the king didn't know what he had in plan so the king did as he was told so he gathered all the people he tied up the boy in the tree he took the boy's arrow once in the name of this boy and he hit him head on and then he died seeing this it worked all the people cried that we believe in the rub of this boy because he's the same boy who couldn't be killed by the soldiers on the mountain soldiers in the sea so then the king looked around and said everybody has become accepted that faith which I was trying to stamp out so then the king then told his soldiers to dig trenches. This is now coming, uh, this is now the meaning of, uh, where did it go? Ashab al-Ukhdud. So the king then told his soldiers to dig trenches in the streets of the town and to fill the trenches with fire. And they said, bring every single person who was there, who saw this and who took iman and put them all in the fire. Tell them that if they renounce their faith, they won't be thrown in the fire, otherwise they'll be thrown. So when this was done, many, many people were thrown in the fire because they refused to renounce their imam. Then when there was a woman who was uh, having, uh, uh, sorry, carrying a baby, uh, so she hesitated, thinking that maybe she should say that she had renounced her imam. So then Allah Ta'ala made the child speak. The baby told his mother, that old mother, be steadfast because you are on the truth. And so this is the entire narration in Sahih Muslim and then in uh, some other riwayat of Tirmidhi and Tafsir bin Kathir is mentioned even more. There's even more details in that, right? 
But here, a lot of lessons to learn as well uh, from this hadith. Uh, the so-called followers of hadith will be troubled by some things in this hadith, right? Because the boy was not a nabi, and so a ghair nabi being able to get inf- information from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so ghair nabi being getting miracles from Allah, these are called karamat. So karamat awliya haqqun, this is the key of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah, that the karamat or miracles of the awliya are reality because in our deen we have authentic sources that talk about miracles of non-prophetic people. That doesn't mean that any and every non-prophet has such miracles, but it is a possible thing, right? Okay, so this was the explanation of these verses. And this is Allah mentioning that incident. And this is another example to understand that you cannot understand Qur'an without hadith. Otherwise, there is no way uh, within the Qur'an that you will know who are these Ashab al-Ukhdud, who they are. There is no way to know that without recourse to the hadith. Verse number 10. إِنَّ ذِنَّ فَتَنُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَتُوبُوا فَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ الْجَهَنَّمَ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ الْحَرِيقِ Indeed, those who are harming the believing men and the believing women and they never repent from that, they don't stop doing and don't desist from doing that, then they will have the fire, the punishment of the fire of Jahannam and they will have the punishment of the burning of Jahannam. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمَلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ supreme success, the supreme felicity, the supreme victory. And so this two ayahs, Allah Ta'ala is making it clear that those who harm, whether it is the people at that time or O Kuffar of Makkah today, you try to harm the believers, or, or any person alive on earth today who tries to harm the believing men and women and don't desist and repent, they'll have the punishment of Jahannam and burning. And anybody at that time, previous community, Ummah, this, that, this Ummah, and today, uh, in this Ummah, anyone who has Iman and A'mal al-Saleh, no matter what happens to them in this world, even if they're tortured to death, burned to a fire in a trench to death, whatever happens to them because of their Iman and A'mal, they will have al-Fawzul Kabir, they will have the real victory, irrespective of whether they have victory on earth or whether they're oppressed on earth, al-Fawzul Kabir, the supreme victory and success will be theirs, and that is the success in the Akhirah. In the Bachelam because Shadid, and Allah says, Grande, indeed, the, it literally means the grasp of your Rabb is severe indeed. Badshir means the punishment and wrath of your Rabb is severe indeed. Means there will definitely be a punishment for disbelief and it will be severe, shadeed. And Allah Ta'ala is the one who has originally created creation. And then He returns it, brings it back, resurrects it again. And Allah is all forgiving and al-wadud, all loving. And Allah is the Lord and Master and Owner and Sovereign of the Arsh al-Majid, of the Majestic Throne. Or you can say the Arsh, He is the Lord of the Throne. Al-Majid, Allah Ta'ala is Al-Majid, is the Majestic One. He ultimately does whatever it is that he wills and pleases. He ultimately makes happen whatever he wills and pleases. And has the news of the armies reached you? The armies of Pharaoh, the armies of Thamud, these were all destroyed by Allah Ta'ala because of the oppression of the believers. But so Allah is saying that, look, you have armies of Quraysh or any other armies of any disbelievers today, whether they were destroyed in this world or they would be destroyed in the Asrah. But rather the disbelievers are persistent in their taqzeeb and their denial and falsification of deen. 
tawheed that Allah Ta'ala surrounds them from all places, from everywhere His might and power is overwhelmingly surrounding them وَهُوَ قُرْآنٌ مَجِيدٌ Indeed this is a glorious majestic Qur'an فِيلَوْهِمْ مَحْفُوظ and it is in the preserved tablet Here Allah SWT is mentioning that Allah Ta'ala's punishment is severe indeed whenever that punishment's time will come for some communities of disbelievers that punishment comes in this world for some communities of disbelievers that punishment will come in the day of judgment in the form of the fire of Jahannam Allah Ta'ala originally created and He will create again again this is an ashar to the day of judgment but then Allah Ta'ala's beautiful sifat here وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الْغُدُودِ but that Allah SWT who immediately uh, um, almost immediately after saying إِنَّ بَشَّ رَبِّكَ لَشَدِيرُ right so let the mu'mineen be trembling here as well that the Mm, uh, grip and grasp and punishment of Allah is severe within few seconds Allah said that Allah is all forgiving all loving soft kind merciful right so that means that Allah is not wrathful punishing alone He is both wrathful punishing and forgiving and loving And as the owner of the throne, majestic means Allah does whatever He so wills. If it is His will for somebody to be punished in this world, they will be punished in this world. If it is His will to delay that punishment and punish them in the next world, they will be punished in the next world. The rest is self-explanatory. Surah Tariq. Allah swears again by the Sama, by the skies, and by Tariq. Tariq is the rising star. Uh, <coughs> you can call it the rising star, you can call it the rising constellation. Some you can translate it the night comer means the stars that come at night. Alright? And some have said this refers to a star called Surya, uh, known as Sirius. Uh, in English astronomical terms, a star called Sirius which is some special uh, night star, ultimate star. We'll tell you what that attarik is, al-najm al-thaqib. It is that piercedly bright, glowing star. Uh, it is an extremely, uh, the star of piercing brightness. In kullu nafsin namma alayha hafiz. And then know that there is no soul, no self, who does not have anything uh, appointed as a garden over that. So by hafiz, it referring to the angels, uh, so first of all, it's referring to Karamat Katabin, that they write down all the deeds that we do. Second, it can also be that the angels that Allah Ta'ala sets for the hifaza of the mu'minin, right? Uh, so just like the stars are always in the sky, but you can't see them, you can only see them at night, just like that, they, you can't see them in the daytime, just like that the angels are there, but you can't see them any more than you can, um, just like you are unable to see the stars in the daytime, although they are there. Uh, So every single human being should reflect and ponder and look and think about what they were created from. They were created from a spurting, uh, a spurting, gushing forth liquid. Uh, and it issues forth from between the backbone spine. Sometimes people call this the loins in classical Victorian English and the chest uh, 
إِنَّهُ عَلَىٰ رَجْعِي لَقَادِرِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power, لَقَادِرِ It certainly has the power and ability عَلَىٰ رَجْعِهِ To return that soul and that life back to life To bring that person back to life Alright, so Ma'in dafik means the male fluid, but it can also mean the women's fluid and the merging of the two fluids. Sulbe uh, wattaraib, sometimes this is also translated back in sternum. These are the places from which uh, these uh, reproductive fluids are generated, uh, classically understood to be that way. Allah has the power to bring people back to life. Here Allah uh, took the oath by this star, this bright star called Atharik, uh, simply that just like that star is watching, Sirius is watching over everyone, or in the sense that Sirius is giving that piercing brightness, and it's a source of Hinayah for people, just like that the Malaika are a Hinayah for people. And they are, Mu'mineen have angels who protect them, who make dua for them. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa mentioned uh, this in as well, that for everyone there are angels before him and falling behind him, protecting them. So these are special gifts that Allah has given to the Mu'minin. This scientific aspect of this it doesn't necessarily have to mean anymore that the fluid comes from that particular place but you can say, for example, spinal fluid is also a core section of your DNA. So it can be that a person's DNA composition, although it's even in your skin and your hair, but what is considered the core, so the Quranic understanding, is Bayna Sulbi wa Taraib, is the core mm, sense of a person's physical, genetical, etc. Mika. Yomatubla Sara'id, this will be the day that when secrets will be examined and secrets will be tested and everything that a person kept hidden will be known by trial, by trial and examination will be manifested. Famalahu min Kawatin Wala Nasir and they will have no power or helper. They will have no power or helper on that day. Right? Each and every person will have no power or helper to stop their secrets from being Revealed in that day. What sama is that the and the sky and that which it returns? Well earned that the study and the earth and that which it opens and produces forth in the Hula Kolan Tasal. Indeed this Quran Akrim is a definitive, decisive speech. Wamahuabilhazal and it is nothing that has been uttered in jest nor in vain. Innahum Yakidu Nakeda and indeed they are plotting a cunning and conniving plot. Wa Akidu Keda and Allah says, I am also plotting a devastating plot. So therefore give those kufar disbelievers some respite, some reprieve, grant them repeat Rubaida for just a short period of while. What Samaizat is Raji has been understood that number one that it returns rain. Some have taken samatim in atmosphere, so it returns harmful solar rays back into the atmosphere. Well, are they that is fadi, that the earth by which it bursts with growth and allows things to grow forth, that can be understood that all the fruit, crop, vegeta- vegetation, cereals, uh, everything that grows forth from the earth, 
So here is another aspect by which Allah Ta'ala is swearing by the sky and the earth, not their destruction on the Day of Judgment, but their usefulness and purpose to us in this world before the coming of the Day of Judgment. Uh, and Allah Ta'ala saying, the goal, the Qur'an al-Karim is definitive and decisive, is not a joke, the way they take it to be, or they jest with it, or they mock it, and they will certainly see everyone who denies the reality of Qur'an, give them a muhla, they will certainly see, and they will have to be dealt with by Allah Ta'ala on that Day of Judgment. Glorify the name of your Rabb. Anything here? Okay. This ayah, uh, that you should do tasbih of the name of your Rabb, who is Al-A'la. You should glorify the name of your Rabb, Allah. We've explained this before. That sabih means. Uh, to say subhan, to say that Allah Ta'ala is amazing beyond any flaw and defect and adorned with every wonder, perfection and attribute. And it is at the revelation of this ayah that Sayyidina Rasulullah told the Mu'mineen and Muslimin to say subhan al-Ala in their sajda. So this was the occasion of revelation of this and after this verse was revealed and after that the Prophet started saying, uh, taught us that we should say subhan al-Ala in sajda. So tasbih means to keep Allah Ta'ala's name pure, to not sully his name, to take his name with respect and awe, with humility and fear, and the best of manners. And we should call upon Allah Ta'ala by all of his asma'al husna, and also ultimately by his ismidat, which is Allah. And that's why his many hadith are talking about the virtues and merits of just saying subhanallah generally, even outside of salah. Allah khalaqa fasawallah that being who created you and then fashioned you. And then he determined uh, and he guided you, right? So there are four attributes of Allah Ta'ala mentioned here. He created, khalaq means he created from nothing for the first time. Sawa means he may have fashioned you in proportion, we have done this before. Then Qaddara, that Allah Ta'ala formed in a special way. Qaddara means to make muqaddar, means in a particular amount, in a particular balanced. Uh, others have taken this to mean that Allah Ta'ala has destined and decreed certain things. Fahada, and then Allah Ta'ala has also given us hidayah. We did this when we did Surah Al-Fatiha, there are different levels of hidayah. First is the hidayah in your fitrah, then the hidayah of iman, and then a person who has and accepts iman and follows hidayah, they get further and subsequent hidayah. So hidayah is something that lasts all the way until we pass away. Allah took out mar'ah means the fodder, the pasture, what uh, animals, livestock, pasture and graze upon. Allah took that out from the earth. And then Allah then reduced it to a dry leaves. You can say, uh, how would you say this? Uh, waste. Uh, they, they become uh, the green pasture, then becomes a brown waste or heap of debris of dry leaves. And soon we shall teach you, uh, and we, admit, we have, will have you recite so you won't forget. Except what Allah Ta'ala was, Allah Ta'ala knows what you uh, manifest and what is concealed. When I used to call in Yusra, and Allah Ta'ala will soon make, ease you, make easier for you the way of ease. So therefore you should advise and give admonishment in nafa'at al-dhikra if that advice is a benefit and will avail and benefit people. And the one who fears Allah Ta'ala, they will take heed and lesson and admonishment and tathkara from that advice. 
and that one who is wretched and the one who is the most wretched and most sinful he will keep away from it he will turn away from it who are those people and they will be the people who will enter into and then roast in the great fire and they will never ever die in that fire nor will they ever really be living in that fire and successful indeed is that person who has done tazkiyah and purified themselves and the zikr of the name of the Rabb Allah and then praise and perform salah but however look at these people instead if you prefer the life of the world but in fact the life of the akhirah is better and is everlasting more lasting and indeed all of this has already been mentioned in the earlier books of scripture suhuf Ibrahim wa Musa in the earlier in the scriptures of Ibrahim Islam and Musa alayhi salam. Alright. In verses 1 to 5, Allah mentioned his power and his wisdom of creation. Then from verses 6 to 13, Allah is mentioning some things regarding the Prophethood and Right? And then the Prophet does not need to mention Falatansa that you will not forget. What does it mean that except Allah Ta'ala will, so this is an ishara to a very difficult topic uh, that we won't have time to do for you right now. Uh, but this is an ishara to what is called Naf. Naf means that there are certain ayat of Quran al Karim uh, that Allah Ta'ala has superseded, abrogated. I think I may have done this for you two years ago when we did Surah Baqarah. Uh, means that Allah may replace some verse with some other verse, but that is also part of the process of revelation. This is also part of the miracle of revelation, part of the evolutionary aspect of revelation that comes over 22 odd years, that is the will of Allah that some verses will replace others, and but that is completely done, and this ayah itself is a proof that Allah is a masterful guide for the Prophet in that very process of abrogation, and superseding. Then, when yusra, it means that Allah Subhanahu wa saying that we shall make easy for you. What does it mean? We will make a way of ease for you. That's the Sharia, that's the Deen of Islam, the Ahkam Shari, the laws and commandments of Allah Subhanahu wa So it means that by the course of the end of the revelation of Quran, following Sharia will be easy. It doesn't mean ease means to follow Sharia. It means following the Sharia with somebody whose heart feels every feeling of Qur'an. Following the Sharia, someone whose heart feels every feeling of Qur'an, following the Sharia for that person will become easy. Once the entire Qur'an has been now come down and has entered into their heart. And somebody who doesn't have those Qur'anic feelings, certainly yes, they may find following the Sharia very difficult. So when Allah Ta'ala mentioned that ease, then Allah Ta'ala told the Prophet in verse 9 that he should advise the people so that the advice may be beneficial. But who will benefit from that advice Again you have khashiyah. We had done this for you a few days ago, khashiyah and salah, khashiyah and nasiha and zikr here. That the person who has khashiyah, who fears Allah, they will benefit from your advice. And if somebody doesn't fear Allah subhanahu wa they will not benefit from your advice. And somebody who is shafi or ashka, terrible sinner, they will stay away from that advice. And then they will enter up into the 
part of jhana. A successful indeed is that person who purifies themselves, purifies their wealth through zakah, purifies their adab and akhlaq, purifies their qalm, purifies their nafs, and they, the rabbit here was nakarasmarabbihi fasallah. By doing the dhikr of the name of their rabb and by praying salah. These are two ways that a person does tazkiyah, uh, and these are the two most efficient and strong ways to do tazkiyah. But a person who doesn't do tazkiyah, then instead they are those people who perform the life of this world. And the rest of it is self-explanatory. So now we move to Surah Qashiyah. Audhu bizzah bin shaitan al-jimi bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Has the news of the overwhelming event calamity come to you? And that many faces on that day will be downcast and looking down. This we explained to you already earlier. And they would have been laboring and exhausted. Amilatun laboring and nasiba weary and exhausted. Tasla Hamiya and then they will enter and roast into the burning blazing fire. Tuskam and Ainan Aniya and they will be given water to drink there from a boiling spring. Laysalahum Ta'amun illa min and the only food they will have will be but bitter thorn. Food from trees which has bit which is bitter and has thorns in it. La Yusminu Wala Yugni Minju and that bitter thorn food will neither nourish them nor will it satisfy and alleviate their hunger. And on that day some faces will be happy and joyful on that day. And they will be satisfied and pleased with the endeavor and striving that they had done in their life. And so where will they end up? They will end up in lofty gardens of Jannah. And they will not hear any love, any nonsense, futile, vain talk over there. And in that Jannah there will be a running, flowing spring. Fiha Sururum Marafu'a and in that there will be elevated couches or elevated thrones, wa akwabum maldu'a and cups and uh, glasses that are set in place and laid out. And then there will be cushions and uh, that are arrayed and spread and arrayed, organized and spread in rows. Wazarabiyumabtha and there will be carpets rich and lush carpets that are spread out. So here then Allah Ta'ala is mentioning uh, you know, many of these things we've commented on before about the gazes being down and then being downcast, about the gazes being joyful. Uh, Amila, one thing was new that is the person who works hard means that that person who will be pleased on the day of judgment will be a person who is Amila, Amila Nasiba. So these are two character traits, right? You can relate this to two types of people. If you relate it to the kuffar, then it means in the dinner they're the ones who worked and endured difficulties in this world and one of those toils and difficulties is that they engage in false belief. It takes a lot of work and effort to worship an idol, to maintain a temple, or they can also be referring, Allah can be referring to their toiling and hard work and spreading sin or spreading facade, spreading fitna, so they worked hard to do so. So this the ayah is about that, Tasla Hamiya, so they will enter into the blazing fire. But it's for us to think that if the kuffar are being described in the Day of Judgment, that they were Amalatun Nasiba, they're hard working, toiling, and they're weary from that hard work, and they did that for Shar or for Kufr or for their own nas, 
and how hard working and toiling should we be for khair and for taqwa and for our tazkiyah. Something to think about. The ayah is about obviously the kufar. Okay? Uh, then we have done this with you about the food of the people Jahannam. We've done that before. Uh, the blaze of Jahannam. We've done that before. The thrones. All of that. Uh, all of these are things we have come to know before. So have they not looked at the camel house created? So this is a new thing. Here Allah Ta'ala is specifically mentioning this feature about the camel. Why? Because the creation of the camel is, is appropriate for the desert, perfect for long travel, has certain features, is very large, easy to raise, humble, listens, eats little, travels a lot, drinks a bit, is able to store it, is gentle, is tame, has so is easy to mount that it comes down on its knees and bows on its legs. There's so many sifat of the camel that Allah SWT is saying. So this is also sunnah. Uh, sunnah means it's also Quranic teaching that when you also pass by camels, you should look at them and reflect on them and remember Allah So now here in the beginning sky, first few surahs sky mentioned as a refting the sky as a sign of the Day of Judgment. Then the benefit of the sky is that the Raj. And now the sky as the sign of Iman. That you not look at the sky and see how it has been elevated, how it has been uh, elevated, and how has it been raised. Uh, and look at the mountains, how they are set in place firmly. And look at the earth, how it has been spread out. All of these things now being mentioned as signs. Sky, mountains, earth. Oceans are absent here, but these things are being mentioned as signs of Allah's mountains creation. Signs in which a person can have iman. فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرْ So here Allah is telling, addressing to Sayyidina Sallallahu Alaihi comforting him again. The Prophet used to grieve that people used to refuse to accept Islam. Allah is saying, don't worry, فَذَكِّرْ You advise, you admonish, you warn people. إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرْ That this مُذَكِّرْ, that this is what you are. You are an advisor, you are a counselor, you are a warner. That you should do what you are, you are Nabi. And that's what the Anbiya do. So don't worry about what. So remind, you are one who reminds. Lasta alayhim bi musaytir. And you have not been appointed as a warder and a ruler over them. And you cannot manage control. You're not liable for them. Illa man tawalla wa kafar. However, that one who turns away and whosoever turns away and disbelieves, then for you al akbar. Then Allah SWT will punish them with a severe and great punishment. Inna ilayna iyabuhum, and they should know that verily it is to us that they will return. Thumma and inna alayna hisabuhum, and it will be us who will do their hisab and who will call them to reckoning. It is our responsibility to give them responsibility. Allah Taala to give them their due. So we will. They will do this to us, and their hisab will be on us. Your Prophet Sallam, you should just give them the nasihat and tafkara. Surah Al-Fajr. Allahu Akbar. Min Shaitan Bismillah. Wal Fajr. Walayyad and Asr. Bashafi wal Batri. So Wal Fajr. Allah Taala is these are customs. Allah Taala is going to swear four customs. Number one, by the dawn, by the daybreak. This is by every single morning. Why? Because number one, meaning as well as Fajr, by every break of dawn, by every new day, by every new beginning in the world, by every new opportunity, by every new risk Allah Ta'ala sends, by every new day of ibadah, by every new free will, well Fajr, by every single new thing that comes. Some have said that because Walayal and Ashr means by the ten nights, these refer to the ten nights of Zulhijjah. Some have said well, Fajr means in the Fajr of the first of Zulhijjah. But that, 
you know, or some even said Fadl Fajr means the first of Muharram of the Islamic year. But Fadl Fajr is a more umumi mana in that. Walayan and Ashra and Allah Ta'ala swears by the ten nights, say the ten nights of Zulhijjah and in many ahadith much importance has been mentioned about these nights and the ibadah in these nights. Uh, in Sahih Bukhari, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that good deeds are more beloved to Allah Ta'ala during the ten days of Zulhijjah than any other time. So the Sahaba were amazed and they said, Ya Rasulullah are the de- deeds of these days even better than jihad during any other time? And the Prophet said, yes, that regular amal done in the ten days of Zuhijjah are even better than jihad done other than these ten days of Zuhijjah unless a person goes out in jihad and comes back as a shaheed. Right? So, what does it mean? Any amal of salah in the ten days of Zuhijjah is even better in Allah's eyes than jihad in other days. It's not better than shahada in other days, right? So for those who never go on jihad, and those who cannot go on jihad, for them to do a'mal in the ten days of Zuhijjah, then at least they should think how much uh, Allah, Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala has, through the Prophet stressed the incredible, uh, and here, the, and so those were the days, right? So the fazilat of the days of Zuhijjah there, the fazilat of the nights, malayal and asha is from this ayah of Qur'an. So those 10 nights and 10 days that are coming upon us in just 27 or 28 days, we should try to make the most of them in terms of our imbalance. But even in all, so some have taken this to mean again the 10th Zulhijjah and the 9th Zulhijjah, uh, because these are two very special days. Other, uh, Imam Tirmidhi and Sayyidina Rasulullah when he referred even in all, Allah is referring to Salah, that those prayers which have odd rakats such as Witr itself and uh, Maghrib and Mashafi and those prayers that have even rakats, these are two meanings of this. Uh, third meaning of this is Mashafi, Malwatri, Mashafi, all those things are in pairs and Malwatri, all those things that have been created singularly or uniquely without pair. And then by Allah Ta'ala's prayers, by the night, and the departure of the night, the night when it passes, has be that is there not an oath in this for the hijr? Hijr means there's another way of understanding and intelligence. That are these oaths not sufficient for those who are people of understanding and intelligence? That means the people who reject all of these qasam, who reject Allah Ta'ala's swearing in Quran al Kareem, it is unintelligent to do so and it betrays their understanding. Have you not seen what your Rabb did with the people of Ad, and the people of Iram, who were people of that uh, Imad, who were the people of pillars? And the likes of them were never ever created. Allah never made anybody like that. So uh, the like of which was never made in any any land. And then if you've not seen also how you rubbed out with the people of Thamud who had hollowed or hallowed out rock in the mountains and in the valleys, this was the way they used to live. And if you've not also seen how you rubbed out with Fir'aun, who was the Lord of Autad, the Lord of Stakes, and these were all of these groups and people were the ones who were spreading corruption and tyranny, uh, tyrannical and transgression in the land. And they made widespread anarchy, mischief, corruption, sedition in the lands. So what happened to them? 
So then Allah Ta'ala sent down a medley, a torrent, a multitude of punishment down unto them. And indeed your Rabb is Labil Mirsad. Allah Ta'ala ever vigilant, all attentive, ever aware about each and everything that everyone does. Okay, the incidents of Al-Al, Kabood, all the things that we have done before for own uh, punishment came in many different types and ways uh, to all of these different communities. All of that has also passed. The only new group here was the people who were descendant of a person by the name of Iram. Uh, a man by the name of Iram. Some say that Iram was the son of Sam, who was the son of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. Allah Ta'ala knows best, right? Why were they called, uh, why are they called Zat al-Imad? Because they used to travel with pillars, they used to pitch tents outdoors, and they used to tie these tents to pillars, that they used to pitch them, and they were nomadic type people basically, and they would pitch tents wherever they would find risk. So that's why they're known in that way. Why was Fra'on uh, mentioned as Zat al-Otad? Otad, like I told you, means stakes. When you stake something to the ground, well, uh, he was called the man of stakes because he used to punish and torture people using this method. And he also used to punish, he punished and torture his own wife, uh, whom many say that anha in this way. Alright. Others say that he had such a large army that his army looked like it was Otad. He just has massive rows of formation of his soldiers. And that's why he's called Zat al-Otan. insanu ida. Okay, here Allah subhanahu is going to talk in a more general way about how he tests men on this earth. And it's going to mention also a bit of the way human beings, you know, human psychology. فَأَمَّا insanu إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعْأَمَهُ فَيَكُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا That when humanity, when his Rabb uh, tests him by honoring him, how? How does Allah test him? فَأَكْرَمَهُ by granting him honor وَنَعْأَمَهُ and by granting him favors and bounties, you can say by pampering him. فَيَكُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا So he says that, oh my Rabb has indeed honored me, has done his karam on me. Then, however, when his Rabb tests him, by Fakadra alayhi means constraining his risk, restricting his provision. For Yukulu, what does he say? Rabbi Ahanan. He says that my Rabb has disgraced me, done tohinad me, insulted me. So here Allah Ta'ala is saying that no, you should have been pleased in both situations. So what happens is that when Allah Ta'ala gives a person and bestows a person with abundance and that person is happy with Allah Ta'ala and acknowledges, even that is something to acknowledge the karma of Allah Ta'ala. But whenever Allah Ta'ala tests that person, they get angry with their Rabb. And they say that their Rabb has disgraced them, their Rabb has angered them. So these are false thoughts, these are wrong thoughts to have. So Allah Ta'ala says, Kalla, means never, never should they think like that. It's not like that. But rather it is you, you who have failed to honor. Number one, who did you fail to honor? You failed to honor the orphan. And you did not, and you failed to encourage the feeding of the poor and the elimination of their hunger. 
And then what did you do? You devoured the inheritance with greed, uh, with a carnal greed, with an all-consuming veracity. And you have loved wealth and money and mal with a very deep love. With concentrated with a concentrated deep love. So when Allah Ta'ala said, Kalla Allah Ta'ala was saying that no, you're not correct. Whether you have money, doesn't mean Allah Ta'ala has given karam. And if He restricts your wealth, doesn't mean Allah Ta'ala has disgraced you. Nothing, the wealth does not indicate acceptance in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. was for you to be charitable to others, whether it's the orphan or the poor. And uh, instead of being so stingy and so crazy over wealth. Uh, and this is this notion of taking inheritance means whether it's halam or halal or haram for you. You take other's share. You take the daughter's share. You take the sister's share without giving them their share. So all of this is a result of greed and all of this is due to your excessive, deeply intense love for the world such that you don't look at what's halal and haram and such that you forget the akhirah. Kalla إِذَا دُكَّةِ الْأَرْضُ دَكَّنْ دَكَّةً so know that never nay shall this be when the earth shall be shred to pieces, uh, shred, ripped to shreds and shred to pieces. وَجَاءَ رَبُّكَ وَالْمَلَكُ صَفًّا صَفًّا And then when your Rabb will appear, and literally Ja'a means and your Rabb will come, and وَالْمَلَكُ صَفًّا صَفًّا And the angels will come also rows upon rows of Malaika, rows upon rows will come. And then Jahannam will also be brought forth, and this is come from the Quran that hell will be brought forth on that day. And that will be the day that then humans will remember, will take heed, will take counsel. But what use of it is it now to take heed and to take advice and to take counsel? يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِي قَنْدَمْتُ لِحَيَاتِي He will say that, Oh, would that I had prepared and I had sent deeds ahead for this life of mine in the Akhirah. فَيَوْمَ إِذِنْ لَا يُؤَذِّبُ أَذَابُهُ أَحَدٍ But know that on that day that no one can punish like Allah's punishment. No one can inflict the divine punishment on that day. وَلَا يُوثِكُ وَثَاقُهُ أَحَدٍ and no one be able to fasten the binds uh, and the chains and the balls the way Allah Ta'ala fastens them. But then Allah Ta'ala shifts all of a sudden right to up to here. What is Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala is talking about? Uh, the torment, the difficulty of that day. The, the, what will happen? That first Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala will appear. Then all the angels will appear rows upon rows upon rows. All of this is the awe-inspiring aspect of that day. <laughs> Then Jahannam will come, that will also be a terrible, terror-inspiring, terror awe-inspiring aspect of the day. So that a person will feel like that, that I wish I had done something. Everyone will feel that I wish I had prepared for this, I wish I had done. When they see Jahannam coming, no one feel, will feel that they are prepared. But then, Allah SWT ended this surah with very famous four ayat of Qur'an. <coughs> ya, I, يَا أَيَّتَهُ النَّفْسُ مُطْمَئِنَّا إِنْ جِئِئِ إِلَى رَبِّكِ رَاضِيَةً مَرْضِيَّةً 
فَدْخُلِي فِي عِبَادِي وَدْخُلِي جَنَّتِي آتا وہ کھالا تد نفس مطمئنہ تد او نفس مطمئنہ الجئی الى ربک that now you should return happily and in pleasure to your رب رَاضِيَةً return to your رب such that you were well pleased with him مَرْضِيَةً and he is well pleased with you فَدْخُلِي فِي عِبَادِي now you enter my عِبَاد now before this person was obviously if he's not someone that was amongst the عِبَادَ on earth Allah that means you enter into the presence of that place which I have really made for my عِبَاد that is وَدْخُلِي جَنَّتِ and that and that means that you should enter into Jannah also this first thing that when Allah Ta'ala says Ilji'i return means that the person was with Allah Ta'ala originally it means our ruh was first made by Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala so when we die and come to Him on the Day of Judgment this is just a return we're returning back where we were we're going back to that being whom called us Allah Subhanahu who had asked us whether we are His Rabb Raziyatan Allah Ta'ala has mentioned Nafsumutminna means this is the nafs which is no longer amara, no longer lavama this is the nafs that is mutmain so first it has itminan and iman which is called yakin. this is that nafs that is absolute yakin that they would see Allah Ta'ala meet Allah Ta'ala this is the very day they're not caught by surprise on this day they had such yakin that the day of judgment would happen just like if you know you have a final exam when you walk in you're not surprised at all because you had yakin there was going to be an exam so this nafs mutmainah had yakin and iman had absolute conviction and because of the absolute certain conviction that they would meet Allah Ta'ala, they lived a life according to that yakin. Second, they are mutmain in the sense that they are pleased with whatever ahkam, whatever commandments Allah Ta'ala has commanded them to do. So they used to follow all of Allah Ta'ala's commandments. Third, they were mutmain on Allah Ta'ala's taqdeer, whatever Allah Ta'ala gave them, whatever risk they were given. Whatever bounties, blessings they were given, whatever they were naseeb, they were happy and content with that naseeb. So in all of this then Allah Ta'ala gave, made them in a fourth way, Mutminna, they had itminan, they were in peace. So how does a person get inner peace? By having yakin and iman, by being pleased with and following the commandments of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and being pleased and being mutmin, whatever risk Allah Ta'ala has given a person. When a person has these three aspects of nafs mutminna, then they will have itminan, then they will have peace, unity, tranquility in their heart. Here Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is swearing by the balad, and the balad here means Makkah Mukarramah. Allah Ta'ala swears by the town of Makkah Mukarramah, this sacred city, this place which is Haram, the whole place is Haram, and inside it is Baytullah uh, and the Kaaba. The history of Makkah Mukarramah we've done for you before. Sayyidina Adam then Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, then in the time of Jahiliyyah, then this twisted acts of shirk taking place in Makkah Mukarramah, in that sacred special precinct, then the Prophet unable to do anything about that initially migrating to Medina Manawar then coming back in Fatah Makkah but even the sacredness of Makkah Makkah was not lost on the Mushrikeen even from the Mushrikeen it was a place of sacred ground where no fighting and killing inviolable place that it could take place so here Allah SWT has mentioned that I swear by the city and you will be free, you are free men of this city. Means that you are a dweller of this city. And Allah says, I swear by the Father and by that which we He begets. 
means the offspring. That indeed we have created humanity in hardship, in distress, in toil. So here, what is wa'anta hillum bihalal balan? So there are a number of interpretations of this word hill. First, the main is that it, this word has been addressed to Sayyidina Rasulullah and telling the Prophet that in the near future you will be granted permission. Uh, it will become halal for you. Makkah Makkah will become halal for you. And this is what happens in the Fatih Makkah, right? That the Prophet and Sahaba Ikram will be able to come back to Makkah Makkah Ramah. So, hill, uh, first meaning of hill, it will be halal for you to do kital there. It will be halal for you to fight there in Fatih Makkah. Second hill comes from Hulul. Hulul means to dwell therein. and means that you will end up being a resident there. Uh, you will return back as a resident to Makkah Makkah. Then when Allah Ta'ala says, وَوَلَدُ وَمَا وَلَدُ So here Allah Ta'ala is saying by the Walid, وَوَالِدُ وَمَا وَلَدُ So the Walid is saying that Adam is the Walid of Insan. وَمَا وَلَدُ That is every single human offspring that he has begotten. So here that means Allah Ta'ala swearing by Sayyidina Adam every single individual human. So you can think that Allah Ta'ala sworn by you in Quran. <laughs> so if you said that, no, if Allah Ta'ala never swore by me in Quran, you were ex. Right? You wouldn't be true in your oath because you could quote the surah ayah and say Allah Ta'ala swore by me in Quran because he swore by my walid, wa ma walid. He swore by Sayyidina Adam and what he begot. Lakal khalaqna insana fi kabal. So this is Allah Ta'ala then the ultimate oath that is leading up to this, the three oaths were leading to the statement, Allah says, indeed we have created human beings who yes are the best of creation, who yes karamna bani adam elsewhere in Quran that we have given them honor and dignity. But from the moment they are born to when they die, they're in kabad, they go through toil, hardship, distress, test. Every age has a different hardship. Childhood has its own hardships and youth has its own hardships and Young adulthood has its own hardship, and early middle age has its own hardships, and middle age, and late middle age, and early old age, and old age, and late old age, and every single stage, Allah Ta'ala has put, right, some pain, some sorrow, some difficulty, some hardship. And this is the complete contrast to what the secular philosophy of life is. It's trying to convince humanity that no, life is not about kabad. Life is just to be happy, go lucky, and to enjoy, and to take it easy, and to relax. And many of our lazy nafs also tries to convince us that we should just relax and take it easy. I'm not saying you should never relax and never take it easy, but life itself, we're not here to relax and take it easy. We're here to toil and strive to please Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala will always send imtihan and ibtila as a form of kabad. It is, life is meant to be difficult for us because it's, that, it's in the difficulty in which the trial lies. It's, the dip, it's in the trial in which success can be obtained. It's in that success in which the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala can be obtained and it's in that pleasure of Allah Ta'ala that Jannah can be attained. Alright, and it's in Jannah that Allah Ta'ala can be attained. Alright, so this is the susullah of life and none of this happens when you take life easy and think life is just meant to be easy. Quranic falsifa of humanity. And that's something I should, it's been a long time since I've showed you that. But if you gather all of the ayat in Quran where Allah Ta'ala says Al-Insan and Nas and Bani Adam, then you will get the Quranic idea with the hadith that say Bani Adam. You will get the Quranic idea of humanity. That itself is a topic worth compiling and worth reflecting upon. And how far we are even from the Quran understanding of humanity, let alone the Quranic understanding of Iman. Ayasiba Allah Yakdara Alayhi Ahad. 
does, does that human being, uh, does insan think that Allah Ta'ala will not appoint anyone uh, to have power over him? And what does it mean? Does he assume that no one has power over him? Means does he think that he's outside the power of Allah? Does he think that ahad here means? Does he think he's outside the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So he says that I've wasted wealth and abundance. I asked him, that does he think that there is no one, yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who sees him? Have we not given him two eyes? And a tongue and two lips? And have we not shown him the two paths? So this is the arrogance of insan, uh, this line number six, that I've wasted wealth and abundance, that this is the arrogance of the disbeliever who earns so much and spends a lot of money opposing Islam. This is a particular kafir who had spent a lot of money to fight the mu'mineen and he was boasting about this and uh, making the statement so Allah subhanahu wa is reprimanding him, right? Uh, and we don't know what the name of that kafir is but one of the kuffar spent a great amount of wealth to oppose Islam. So Allah subhanahu wa is just mocking his sentence over here. And showing that the Allah is watchful over him. Is saying him, has given him two eyes, tongue and lips and showed him to two paths. The two paths is obviously the path of good and evil, the path of iman and kufr, the path of fear and shar. But by showing the two paths, insan has to make their own choice. Najd, Najdain is the tasneel of the word Najd. Najd is that path that leads to a higher ground. Najd can also mean a clear and open path. So what does it mean? Najdain means two clear open paths that lead to some summit. A path of good that leads to a summit and peak of success. And a clear and open path that leads to the pitfall or trench of failure. So Najd means it's completely clear. The path itself is clear. And Allah Ta'ala makes it further clear through sending his hidayah, through kutub, through books and scriptures, and through anbiya. So what does it mean? that The summary of this is, oh, and so on. look at Allah Ta'ala's power and creation. Pay attention to his creation. Look at your own eyes. Look at your own tongue. Look at your own lips. Right? And pick the better of those two paths that Allah Ta'ala has clearly put in front of you. Use your sense and your revelation that is said to you to chart out your path. Here Allah says that yet he would not attempt the steep road. Means he is not attempting that path that is going towards fear. Right? He has not braved the steep road. And what would convey to you what that steep road is? It is actually the freeing of a slave. Oh, or on such a day, oh, it's amun fi yomin the or feeding on a day of famine, on a day of famine and hunger to feed someone, yatiman the makraba, or to feed such an orphan relative on that day, o miskinan the matraba, or to feel a dust covered, destitute pauper. So, what does this mean here? Allah subhanahu wa saying that it's mentioning. Deeds. What type of good deeds will save a person from the punishment of the Akhirah? So the first is freeing slaves, a very big form of worship. And then and uh, another thing is to feed the poor and the hungry. And if it's the relative or orphan, there's extra reward because it's a reward of uh, the orphan and the family ties. And if it's even just a miskin, then what type of miskin? 
So here is the mention of what type the neediest to use the language of the development uh, today, uh, in the neediest of the needy. O miskinan la matraba, the most low uh, of the poverty line. O miskinan la matraba. So this is a great, great good deed that enables a person to attempt the steep path. And if we have never fed somebody hungry in a state of famine, or an orphan, or an orphan relative, or the neediest of the needy, means that we also have not attempted the high road, the steep road that leads to the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verses 17 to 20, Allah is going to mention the feeling of Iman. Thummakana so then what will happen that when a person takes that steep road that one will be of those who have iman and who practice and enjoy practice sabr and enjoy one another to have sabr and practice marhama practice compassionate kindness and enjoy that invite other to that compassionate kindness so the three attributes are iman sabr and marhama ulaika ashabul maymana so these are the people of the right these are the people of the right. So it means that these are three master traits that we should have in ourselves. Sabr, we have explained to you, I think, again, that patience is to be patient in times of difficulty. Patience also means to have fortitude to stay away from sin. Patience also means to have perseverance and be steadfast in doing good deeds. Marhamah means the compassionate kindness that is mentioned here to view the people in hardship, hunger, poverty, orphan, to view their hardship as one's own. That's marhamah, to have empathy. To have empathy, that's the word that may want to use, merciful empathy to regard others' hardships as one's own. So these are the two things that we should have, empathy with our family, empathy with the needy, empathy with society, iman, sabr and marhama, ulaika ashabul maymana, waladhina kafaru bi ayatina, as far as those who disbelieve in the verses of our religion, whom ashabul mashama, they are the people of the left, alayhim narum musada, and upon them the fire will be closed, shut over them, the fire will be enclosing and sealing them in. So these are the people of the left. ترجمة <تصفيق> And the night when it conceals that sun was Sama and by the sky and the one, the being who created the sky, by the sky and the construction and the fashioning of the sky, Wal and by the earth and by the one who spread out that earth, and by the nafs and the one, the soul and the self and the one who uh, fashioned that nafs. And that same Allah Ta'ala who, who fashioned it And then thereafter He sent ilham, He inspired it About what entails wickedness and sin for it And what is virtue and piety for it So this is that passage in Quran Where Allah Ta'ala says The longest number of oaths Seven oaths in Quran All of which to say what? That indeed successful is the one who has done tazkiyah and purified their nafs and a person has ended up in failure, the one who has soiled and sullied their nafs.
This is uh, the main message of Shurat al-Shams, which is the message of Tazkiyah. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again here swore by the Shams, by the sun, the Doha is also Salat uh, al-Doha is a time when the sun, the light of the sun has become clear. So one is Fajr when you get the first thread, then sunrise when you get the first sliver of the solar disk, then Ad-Duha, known as Chasht in Persian or Urdu, is when the run, sun has risen sufficiently that now the entire from horizon to horizon is flooded bright with sunlight. And that's a sign of the light. Another sign the Arabs had was that the sun has risen enough that the desert sand has become hot now. Because it used to be cool overnight, but then it used to become hot when the sun had risen enough. That is the time of Duha. So here what Duha ha means, that completely widely spreading light the spreading light of the sunlight from horizon to horizon. The moon follows the sun means when the sun sets, the moon rises, means the sun disappears in the day and the moon comes at night. And especially we're talking about Ayami Bir in those days of the month when it's a full moon, so you see the full moon at night, right? Uh, and in the day uh, when it illuminates it. So here, when it illuminates it, Ida uh, Jallaha. So the first meaning of house when it illuminates the earth or the land, right? Which means that before the day, then the earth and the land was illuminated. And some say metaphorical that when it illuminates the sun, it means in the day you can see the sun, and at night you can't see the sun. So the fourth is obviously when the night comes, it conceals the sun because it's dark and you're not able to see it. Uh, the rest is self-explanatory. So sawaha means that Allah subhanahu wa has fashioned the soul, the nafs, perfectly. He has fashioned ourselves perfectly. And then that's the physical aspect. And then the spiritual aspect is فَأَلْحَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَهَا Fujur means a person knows and it's your conscience. So there are two types of sin. These are known as afale uh, hissi and afale shari. There's one type of sin that you know from your hiss that is coming here, that your conscience tells you it's a sin. And there's another type of sin that is called afale ishari. Only the shriya can tell you it's a sin. So, for example, you know it's a sin to murder and to rape and to steal, etc. That's in your conscience. That's nahi. That's from the afal hisi. Afal ishari means you need sharia to tell you you couldn't eat pork. You wouldn't have been able to know that on your own. You needed the sharia to tell you that you shouldn't fast on Eid day. Maybe you'd have thought that the way I celebrate Eid is by fasting. That's what fast. Show my happiness, Allah Taala. You need the sharia to tell you that. So there's something that the sharia told us is sin. And there's some things that Allah Ta'ala directly inspired us with a conscience to tell us the sin that is here. Same thing with the Kwaha, right? Uh, there's some things that you will yourself know as virtue, so to help the needy. And there's some things you need the Sharia to tell you that it's virtue. So for example, to fast, you would have never known that this is an act of virtue to stay away from food and drink and etc. from dawn to maghrib. That's the first meaning of fa'alhamaha, directly inspiring the conscience. Second meaning of ilham is wahi. So through revelation and prophecy, the second part is done. Then those sins that are known through sharia, revelation, prophecy, and those virtues that are known through sharia, revelation, prophecy, that is also being so kamilang the insan now knows, either through conscience or revelation which confirms his conscience, or revelation that legislates beyond what he was aware of, from his conscience, what is fujur and what is taqwa. So when all of that has been done, when you have the information, then then truly indeed successful is only that person who then kept themselves pure, stayed within the taqwa, 
stayed away from Fajr, and indeed indeed failure, absolute failures to that person who soils and blackens their nafs, even with having the complete information, they still do what is Fajr, they still do what is sin. It also makes it clear that there are ultimately two types of people, those who are success and those who are failures. Just like the world says, right? In this world you will either be a success or a failure. Allah is saying the same thing. You will either be a success or a failure. What will decide? Tazkiyah. You have your Tazkiyah success. You don't have Tazkiyah failure. So by these seven oaths, plus the fact that the ultimate outcome is dependent on Tazkiyah, in Surah Shams, Allah has made clear the importance of Tazkiyah. Hence now we can take the opportunity to officially launch Tazkiyah Academy. Tazkiyah Academy is our online academy being launched in October for men, men only. So wherever you are in the world, we will teach you inshallah online. Wherever we are and wherever you are, that is called Tazkiyah Academy. We're making that website Tazkiyah T-A-Z oh sorry, T-A-Z K-I-Y-A-H academy.org alright so that we can keep learning inshallah and then uh, okay again this is the story of Thamud we have done this Allah Ta'ala is mentioning a few ayat here so Allah Ta'ala is showing an example when you know and you don't do what you know there's an example they had a prophet living amongst them and he gave them clear instructions and they still chose to disobey so this is the ishara that the saying is that this is it's exact even if you don't have prophet with you anymore, but the itmam hujjat everything has been done so completely you know what is fujur you know what is taqwa if you leave that which is taqwa and choose what is fujur you are just like the people of <coughs> just like the people of Samud. Kadzabat Samudu bitagwa. So the Samud falsified, rejected, repudiated truth bitagwa with its treacherous rebellion and oppression. Ilim ba'atha ashkaha. When the most wretched, the greatest and worst wretch of them was sent. Fakalullahum Rasulullahi naqatullahi wa suqiyaha. So they're the messenger uh, of Allah. And a lot of people who uh, hear this sometimes in Arabic. Uh, I think Rasulullah, because this was not Sayyidina Rasulullah, this is Sayyidina Saleh alayhi salam. Sayyidina Saleh alayhi salam was the Nabi who was sent to the people of Thamud and they told him to prove his Nabuwa uh, by producing a pregnant she camel from the mountain and he prayed to Allah and sure enough one came out, a she camel who was pregnant, which he did really was a very prized and valued possession, right? And here, this is something that we've already done. Uh, earlier in Quran, right, in Surah Araf, and Surah Hud, and several other places. Eventually then though, they, uh, he, so he said to them, so for Allah, Rasulullah, Rasulullah means, Hassan, he's still saying, Rasulullah, he means Sayyidina Saleh, right? So the Messenger of Allah said to his community, the people of Thamud, Allah, <coughs> that this is the she-camel of Allah, and therefore you should let her drink. But they denied him, they called him a liar. And then what they did, they hamstrung, literally hamstrung, it means they killed the camel. 
whatsoever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not hesitate or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not have any fear. What does that mean? That sometimes the rulers in this world, they fear punishing someone because they're worried what will the consequence be. Maybe the revenge will happen. Maybe there'll be rebellion. Maybe there'll be resistance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no such fears. He has all the power and He has no fear. He has all the justice and no injustice. So He immediately left, destroyed all of them and leveled all of them to the ground. Alright? So this is uh, the example, the link between this, the, why is this story mentioned in the surah? Because this is an example that you know something, your Nabi tells you something and you don't do it, that is for you, that is the opposite of Tazkiyah. Next surah, Surah Al-Layl. By the night, uh, so this first surah pertaining to Shams, this next one is Layl. Uh, so this is another way that we sound Shams and Kamar, uh, but this is Shams and Layl. So again, Qasim. Allah Ta'ala begins by Qasim Allah Ta'ala swears by the night when it covers when the Hari is at the Jannah and by the day when it shines, when it comes to light, when it illuminates. And then Allah Ta'ala swears by that being who created the male and the female. That indeed your efforts that you make and striving is surely diverse and varied. So what is the connection between this? Between what is being sworn by and what is being sworn? This is a rabd that we do in tafsir. What is being sworn by is the layl and the nahar and the creation of man and woman. And what is being sworn is in nasa'yukum nashatta. So the connection here is that everyone is either male or female. And all deeds are done in either daytime or nighttime. But these are varied. Something a man is doing at night, woman is doing in day, woman is doing at night, man is doing day. In nisa'yukum nashatta. So indeed your efforts are varied. Some people are making effort at night, some in day, some in the realm of being male, some in the realm of being female. So even though you are similar in form, and you are living in the same similar form, that you are all humans, you are all living on the same earth, but you are diverse. And just, it also means that you are diverse in your deeds and diverse in your ways. 
And we had also a similar verse already so we're in Shikak about effort. So it's a nat- remember Tanafo, so it's a natural trait in human beings to strive towards something, to be seeking towards something, to put effort towards something, to try to accomplish something. But we are diverse in in terms of what effort we are making, what we are seeking, what are we striving towards, what is it that we're trying to accomplish and attain. Human beings are diverse and different in that. Some are striving through bad deeds and earning punishment, some are striving through good deeds and earning reward. <coughs> So it's for that person who gives Atta, who gives and bestows, right? Uh, who gives and he means gives generously Wattaka and his taqwa, his muttaki, his conscientious and fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. right? Who generally believes bin husna in the most beautiful word. And you can also say gives charity in the most beautiful word. And we should make easy for him the way of ease. Right? So the way of ease was the way of Sharia and Deen. So what does it mean? A person who has these attributes will find Sharia easy. A person wants to know if yes, a person who has taqwa and who gives will find Sharia easy. And a person who doesn't have taqwa will not find Sharia easy. And as far as that person who is miserly, who is mm, stingy, uh, right, and then they're complacent. Wustagna uh, means they're complacent, they're indifferent, they think that they're self-sufficient, they think they're independent of deen, they don't need deen, they don't need Allah subhanahu they don't need ibadah. So what do husna? So actually they've rejected this most beautiful Qur'an al-Kareem, they've rejected the most beautiful way of life. So then we shall facilitate hardship for them. We shall bring hardship and difficulty upon them. And none of his wealth and money will be of any help for them whenever he falls and he fails and he perishes. And the guidance is up to us. Allah is saying the guidance and hidayah is up to us and our responsibility. And Allah says, and the akhirah, the hereafter, and the end also belongs to Allah. And all of the beginning means this world, the first domain, also belongs to Allah and lies entirely in His control. So the first group then, there are three one is Atta, that they give for the sake of Allah, Zakat, Shari, etc. And then Taqwa, that they fear Allah SWT, means they live their life according to Allah's commands. And Sadaqa bin Husna, so the first thing can mean the Kalima, they do Tasdeek, they accept Iman. So even though Iman, and then Iman, when Iman is mentioned, then it's the essence of all good deeds, and every single thing. So the first two traits are uh, related to the, first trait is related to the world that they give, Second and third are related to the Qalb, that they fear Allah Ta'ala in their heart and they believe in Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala in their heart. Yusra can mean f- facilitating that person to a life of ease and deen on this world. Yusra can also mean that they will be facilitated into Jannah. Second group, I also had three bad traits, Bakhila. So that was number one, their stinginess. Uh, they don't want to spend in contrast to Atta, they don't want to spend their zakah and sadqa on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instead of having taqwa, fearing Allah ta'ala, being aware of Him, conscientious of Him, submitting to His commands, they don't fear Allah ta'ala, they don't show humility, they don't obey, they're indifferent and complacent when it regards Him and His commands and His sharia and deen, they overlook the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that means, husna, they have by their actions shown their disbelief in the kalima in iman. 
<coughs> and so the second group will get usr, which means that they will get, be facilitated in some maybe difficulty in this world, but asal usra means jahannam, that they will be facilitated into the fire of jahannam in the next world. When Allah Ta'ala says, Inna alayna lalhuda, to the hidayah is ultimately Allah Ta'ala's responsibility. Allah Ta'ala has done that by sending books and prophets and messages into this world and then sending Siddiqeen and Salihin who follow those Nabiin in this world. So Allah Ta'ala has made the complete Sirat al Mustaqim in this world and to Allah Ta'ala belongs everything in the Akhirah and in this world. Everything is in His control and everything proceeds according to His will and wish. فَأَنذَرْتُكُمْ نَارٌ تَلَدَّى Allah Ta'ala says that I have warned you about a fire of a fire that rages لَا يَصْلَاهَا إِلَّا الْأَشْكَى And only the most wretched shall enter and roast therein أَلَّذِي كَنْدَبَ وَتَوَلَّى Who are those, those who denied the truth and they turned away from it وَسْيُجَنَّبُهَا الْأَتْقَى But the people of taqwa will be far removed from it, be kept far away from it. Alladhi yu'ti malahu yatazakka and they spent their wealth to purify their soul and to become pure. Wama ahadin indahu min ni'matin tudza and they don't have any favor to repay to anyone anymore. And they were only and only seeking the pleasure of their exalted Allah Supreme Rabb So very soon indeed they will be pleased and they will be satisfied. So then these last uh, verses 14 to 16 are showing the consequences of deeds. 14 to 16 the consequences of bad deeds. So the people who did the bad type of striving, shatta, the bad type of striving for the bad type of accomplishment and they don't make tawbah, they don't repent, and they will go into Jahannam. And the last five verses is a particular person, the person of taqwa, person who refrained from sin, who did the good type of striving, sent their money for Allah subhanahu not as a favor to anyone, only to please his Rabb, then as a result of that sincerity, he will soon be pleased. What is that pleasure? So that pleasure means that they will get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu Many of the Mufassirun also say that this refers, this person, uh, الَّذِي يُؤْتِي مَالُهُ يَتَّذَكَّرُ refers to Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and all of you know how much of his wealth and all of his wealth that he spread uh, spent uh, for the sake of the deen of Islam and for the sake of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam and he also others and this is also the incident some say Mufasrun that Shana Nuzul that when he freed the slaves Sayyidina Bilal some said he did so because Bilal owed him something or he owed Bilal a favor so I'll refute this by verse 19 by saying then no he didn't do this to he had to repay a favor to Bilal he freed him only and only to seek the pleasure of Allah subhanahu ta'ala by rescuing his fellow Muslims Sayyidina Bilal from the torture uh, painful torture and torment of the disbelievers that's such a very commented upon surah that we are going to have to do very briefly. Surah was recited in Makkah and revealed in Makkah And the background to the surah is that Sayyidina Rasulullah was ill and he was not able to rise for tahajjud for a few days because of his illness. So actually a woman came and said that it seems as if the shayateen that used to come to him has forsaken him 
she was referring to the Indra Jabil, the Islam as a Shaitan, and so she was saying in a very twisted way, she was calling the Indra Jabil a Shaitan. Then Allah Ta'ala revealed through the Duha, because the Prophet would often in the early days get revelation at the time of the Hajjad, due to his illness, Sayyidina Rasulullah was not able to pray the Hajjad, but then Allah Ta'ala then revealed the Surah, uh, Surah al Duha. <coughs> then Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala in this surah, and really from Surah Al-Duha onwards towards most of the rest of the Qur'an al-Kareem that is left uh, for us to look at today, uh, a lot of it is about Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu So here is one incident when the Mushrikeen used to taunt the Prophet for not receiving revelation. So Allah Subhanahu then revealed revelation. And what Duha, Duha I've already explained by that very bright light that is so bright that it expands and fulfills the horizon. <coughs> <coughs> And by the night when it is still. Now, what does it mean when the night when it is calm and the night when it is still? It can be taken literally that the night becomes completely dark and still and calm. It also means that because at night darkness increases gradually and you have complete lightness, a complete stillness in the middle of the dark. And this is the time uh, of the hundred time. That your Rabb has neither forsaken you, nor is your Rabb in any way displeased with you. And indeed the life of the Akhirah is certainly much, much better for you than what was before, meaning the life of the world. And surely your Rabb will surely soon give to you and bestow upon you such that you will be pleased and you will be content. Second uh, is the connection between day and night and the qasim, the, con- the connection between the qasim and the maqsum is that wahi is like the day and the night. Just like the alteration of the night and the day, does it indicate that the night has forsaken the day or the day has forsaken the night? Or when night leaves, it doesn't mean it's upset. Just these are just natural changes that sometimes it is daylight and sometimes it is nighttime. Just like that, Allah Subhanahu was doing an ishara that there are natural reasons for the pauses in revelation and the gaps between revelation. Pauses and gaps between revelation is not any way a sign or indication that Allah Subhanahu is upset. Second to see of this verse is hereafter in the world. Second is that your later stages of life will be better than your earlier stages of life. This can certainly be caused to the Prophet because the end of his life was better than the earlier part of his life. This can be expanded that for anybody who is on deen and is able to do a'mal as-salih and preserve the nur of their a'mal, then more and more a'mal they do and if they preserve the nur, then their later stages of life are better than their earlier stages of life. Also, Allah SWT is saying here, that you should have no doubt whatsoever about what Allah SWT will give in the future, and no doubt that in the future Allah SWT will give you so much that you will be pleased. One meaning of this is that Allah SWT gave the Prophet so many blessings, and here that Allah is going to mention those blessings that He has already given the Prophet, uh, which is showing how much Allah SWT is pleased with Him. Did Allah SWT not find you an orphan uh, and then He granted you shelter? Did He not find you wandering and uninformed and did He not show you the way and show you guidance? 
They did not find you in need and destitute, and they did not give you self-sufficiency, make you sufficiently wealthy, that you're sufficient on your own. So do not be harsh uh, and oppress the orphan. And do not rebuff the seeker, do not reproach the one who is seeking wealth, do not reproach the beggar. And rather than instead you should proclaim and tell of the favors and wonders of your Lord. So the first thing is all of us know Sayyidina Rasulullah was a yatim. Uh, he was orphaned that his father had passed away and then very early on his mother passed away and his grandfather passed away and then he was risen and mostly by his uncle Abu Talib who but they were so, uh, raised by his uncle Abu Talib astray. Zal, what does that mean? Zal can never mean that Sayyidina Rasulullah was on Zalala. means that he was searching for Allah SWT but he didn't have a Sirat al-Mustaqim that he was going up to the cave in the Mount Hira searching because he was Hanif. He had true fitrat imani in his kalb and then Allah Ta'ala sent hidayah upon him on how to really manifest and how to submit to that fitrat imani that he had in his kalb. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala when the Prophet was initially uh, not well off, he was in need when he was raised by Abu Talib, then he became a trader, he worked for Umm Mu'aneen Sayyidina Khadija and then he led her trade caravan and then she was impressed by his character and then she proposed to him so he became wealthy by means of her wealth first he gained employment then he became her husband so he had a maqam in being married to a woman who was wealthy so all of this was also done by Allah subhanahu wa so these are three blessings after mentioning these three blessings Allah mentions three commands the first and these three commands are not addressed just to Sayyidina Rasulullah obviously they are addressed to the entire ummah through the Prophet in the Quran the first is that we should not be harsh uh, to the orphan. Uh, this is that some, this is specifically initially for those people who were guardians and caretakers of orphans. Many times they were unjust to them. They didn't treat them as nicely as their own children. They took away their rights. They usurped their wealth. It can also mean that don't be unjust to them as a society. That you don't have provision for their care. Whether that's a collective orphanage or whether that's individual foster care. That's another type of harshness. Second hukum is that do not reproach the one who is a sincere beggar. So the beggar is like the orphan. Nobody sympathizes with them. Nobody helps them. So if they're truly begging in need, not begging as a profession, but begging in need, then a person should give. And if you're not sure, uh, you can't tell if they're genuine, but there's a chance you should still give. And even if you don't give, at the very least, Tanhar applies in every situation. Even if you know for sure that you think they're a professional beggar, you shouldn't reproach them, reprimand them, because Allah Ta'ala knows best what type of halat came over them to put them in this profession. Even if those halat had come over any one of me and you, maybe we would have even ended up in theft, a profession of theft or a profession of fraud or a profession of some other foul, illegitimate way to get money, let alone the profession of begging. And you should proclaim the favors and bounties of your Rabb. So this is an expression of shukr. This is an, again an address to the Prophet and the entire Ummah. That whenever Allah Subhanahu bestows something upon you, you should proclaim it. means you should share that ni'mah. If that ni'mah is wealth, then you should spend it and should share it, uh, share it with sincerity. If that ni'mah is knowledge, you should spend it means teach it with sincerity. If that ni'mah is taqwa, you should live it and you should teach that with sincerity. Whatever blessings you have, you should share them and you should proclaim them. 
Also, there's a hadith saying that Rasulullah is mentioned that once he saw a Sahaba Sayyidina Malik, and Sayyidina Malik came in front of the Prophet wearing extremely worn out, torn out clothes. And the Prophet asked him, that, Don't you have wealth? And then he said, Yes, that I have so many camels and cows and goats and horses and this and that. So then the Prophet then said that if Allah has given you wealth, then the sign of this wealth should be visible on you. Doesn't mean that he should wear opulent, extravagant clothing, but you should not appear as if you were. Uh, extremely poor and destitute, you should rather enjoy the blessings that Allah has given you. Did we not expand your breast for you? So, this is in Shirah. This is in Allah opening the Sadr of the Prophet, his chest and his heart, by giving him ilm, by giving him hikmah, by giving him nabuwa, by giving him kurm, by giving him maratam, by putting the nur of nabuwa inside his ruh, by giving him khuluk and adin, by expanding his breast in all of these ways. And this is something that could not be acquired. This was wahbi, this is not kasbi. So this shows that all of the kamalat in nabuwa, all of the wonders and perfections of Sayyidina Rasulullah, all of them were bestowed by Allah subhanahu on uh, to the Prophet and did we not relieve you from your burden did we not remove your burden from you so the burden and weight means uh, number one uh, it can mean certain things decisions that the Prophet made like we did in Surah Abasa which turned out to be erroneous and an error and then Allah subhanahu wa rebuked the Prophet after which he felt much sorrow and remorse but then Allah also sent the salli on the qalb and sadr of the Prophet so that his burden was removed. Others say the burden means that the burden of being a Prophet the incredible weight and responsibility of it weighed heavily on the Prophet but then Allah Ta'ala removed the burden of sunset, not removing his nabuwa, but enabling him and guiding him and blessing him to fulfill that mission and message of nabuwa and risala, kamal and muqabbalan, so that is another sense in which the burden was, the burden aspect of nabuwa was lifted. <coughs> that literally means in that that was the burden that was breaking your back, that was weighing heavily on your back. So all of these are the different burdens. It can also mean the burden of the opposition of What I thought now like a zikrak, verse four, and then we have elevated the, we have elevated for you your remembrance. This is a whole each. I mean, this is a whole beyond of itself. But Allah Subhanahu has placed His name with His own name, His His blessed name, Sallallahu Alaihi with His exalted name, Subhanahu Wa Taala, whether in the kalima, whether in the adhan, whether in masajid, whether in terms of izzat, whether in terms of barakah, whether in terms of karam. When you send salawat on the Prophet using His name, <coughs> you get. Uh, ajr and thawab when you take Allah Ta'ala's name you say subhanallah you get ajr and thawab what I thought now like a dhikrik is also that not only did Allah Ta'ala bestow the Prophet with Sharhi Sadr and all of those akhlaq and kifiyat but Allah Ta'ala also left this legacy behind that people would always remember the seerah and sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah people would always remember his adab and his akhlaq his ta'limat and his kifiyat فَإِنَّ مَعَ الْأُسْرِ يُسْرًا إِنَّ مَعَ الْأُسْرِ يُسْرًا Next to ayat, Allah subhanahu wa said that indeed there after every ease comes dif- after every difficulty comes ease, after every difficulty comes ease. <coughs> so Alif Lam here uh, is the definitive article. So this is a rule in Arabic grammar that when the Alif Lam is repeated, that means they're both representing the same thing. So after 
a difficulty comes an ease, and after a difficulty comes yet another ease. In other words, what does that mean? From one difficulty you get two eases. From one difficulty you get two eases. So, but who will get that? That person who is sabr and dwakul, that person who is patient and has trust and reliance and dependent on Allah subhanahu wa they will get these eases. So this is first and foremost Allah ta'ala mentioning to the Prophet that don't worry any and every hardship and difficulty that you are having, you will certainly have an ease after that. But this is in Quran al-Kareem, so it's a universal teaching, umul for the entire ummah. So for any single person in this ummah, any difficulty that comes has any time Allah Ta'ala sends a difficulty upon us it has an ease embedded in it but that ease will be given to that person who has sabr and tawakkul that ease will be given to that person who had rada and remained pleased with Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala in that time of difficulty so when you are free when you have completed when you are done with what you have to do fun sub you should be you should exert yourself you should be steadfast you should and you should turn towards your Rabb in Rabba. So this is what Allah Subhanahu was telling Sayyidina Rasulullah initially that when you're free from the work of Dawah and Nabuwah, teaching and spreading deen, then you should turn to Ibadah. <coughs> so Dawah is also a type of Ibadah. But when you're free from Dawah, Khidmat Deen, Khidmat Ummah, then you should turn to individual Khalwa and individual worship with Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala in your Ibadah, in your Dhikr, in your Dua. So what does that mean? That means that no matter how much good acts we do, no matter how much khidmat we do, we almost must have some of our own individual solitary time with Allah subhanahu wa We must have some of our own ibadah. We must have some of our own ragba. And the sunnah way that the Prophet did this was in his salatul tahajjud. So this is also for us that we should do amal on this eye, that whenever we are free, at the very least we should do amal on this eye even 5-10 minutes a day, that whenever we get free from our worldly duties, worldly jobs, worldly studies, we should, fansab can also mean like we tell you, or the depth out to exert yourself to be steadfast, and do some ragba to engage in some ibadah, the dua of Allah subhanahu on the benomination of Mr. Nabutini was a tomb, Allah takes a custom by the fig, and then by the olive of Buddha Sinin, and then Allah takes a fig, a custom by the Mount Sinai, Wahada Baladil Amin. And Allah takes a custom by this Baladil Amin, by this secure and safe city. This is the city of Makkah Allah says, Doubtedly, surely we created humanity in the best of forms. So what are the relationship between these four customs? So fig and olive, these are also blessed foods that have a lot of benefit in them. And Dura Sinin had a barakah in it because this was the place where Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam received wahi. And the city of Makkah Makarama has barakah in it because this is the place where there's Kaaba and there's Baytullah. Some say that Deen and Zaytun are in the shadow to the area of Sham, which is current Syria, Jordan, Palestine, etc. Because many, many Anbiya were sent there, are buried there, were from there. So that refers to Sham, this refers to Sham, Philistine. Mount Sinai refers to the area of Misr. And then Makkah, Makkah, so this is what they call the cradle of the Abrahamic civilization or the Middle East. <coughs> undoubtedly that we have created humanity in the best of manners in the best of fashion so first this means that the very essence of humanity itself the very essence of humanity is the finest essence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made however 
However, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lowered down all of humanity to the lowest of the low. What does that mean? Then second, Allah ta'ala placed in them that fujur. Allah ta'ala placed in them the ability to be lower than the animals, worse than the animals, sub-animal level. Who is going to be saved from being relegated to that lowest level of the low? Except those who have iman and do righteous acts and virtuous deeds and acts of worship. They will have a reward that is ever, never ending, never fading. So this is a warning to the disbeliever. Uh, here this is an exception. Uh, those who do believe and do good works, even if you get old, uh, a person must always remain an iman and a'mal salih. It's a lifelong quest to protect oneself from the fujur that is inside oneself. So what is it that makes you falsify and deny the Day of Judgment? Is Allah not the most wise of the wise ones? So here Allah's hikmah here is uh, that the wisdom in Allah Ta'ala is that He created us in the best of way. The wisdom in Allah Ta'ala is that He gave us the potential to do evil. So that if we try and third wisdom that Allah Ta'ala showed us the way to make the good in us triumph over the evil in us, that is Iman and A'mal Saleh. And the way to do that is to take what is going to be the emotion that motivates us to be a person of Iman and A'mal Saleh, that is believing in the Day of Judgment. So whenever somebody disbelieves in the Day of Judgment, they have no motivation for Iman and A'mal Saleh, then they will fall down into the lowest dredges and dregs of humanity, and they will not have any of the wonders and asna taqweem and the great manners of humanity. Another way you can say that as insan and asna taqweem is to say that Rasulullah is from the insan and all of the anbiya and mursaleen are from the insan and all the awliya sadiqin siddiqin are from insan. So all of the greatest aspects of Allah's creation, all of them are to be found inside insan. Insan is viewed in our deen to have the potential to go above the level of the malaika, to go above the level of the Angels. This is the very first verses of Revelation that all of you know. This is something that everyone knows. And we also mentioned this earlier when we talked about in Surah Mudath and Mudathir. Uh, Allah Ta'ala said, read, and Ikra can also be translated as recite. Makes more sense to translate this strictly as recite, even those who mention read, it means read aloud, because Sayyidina Rasulullah was not sight reading, there was an oral recitation that was recited to him by the angel Jirbeel Islam, and the angel was telling the Prophet to recite that orally, not to read it through sight reading. So, Ikra bismi rabbikam So, the first thing we hear is that you will recite Quran bismi in the name, in the name. Right, and this is the very first recitation, means the very first thing the angel Jibreel taught Nabiya about Allah Ta'ala is that Allah Ta'ala has a name. The very, very first thing that ever, the very first word is Iqra, right, and the second word is Bismi, so it means the very first thing that Nabiya was taught as part of his Nabuwa was that Allah Ta'ala has a name, and that name is his Ismi Azim, Ismi Zab, Ismi Jala, Allah. So the importance of this name can never be overstated, can never be overestimated. And if we could also learn how to take his name on our tongue and in our heart, we would get all of the barakah as Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Tabarakasmurabbik, and full of barakah is the name of your Rabb. So here, uh, Ikra, 
Allah Subhanahu wa commanded the Prophet to read and to recite Bismillah. Second thing Allah Taala taught the Prophet is that not only does he have a name, he's a Rabb. Rabb means that being who does your tarbiyah, which means nourishing, upbringing, sustaining, caretaking, so that the Bihakim learns at the outset that he's Rabb and then Rabbika, he's your Rabb. He belongs to you. His rububiyah is for you. His karam, his rahmah, his madad, his nusrat is for you. So if his rububiyah is for you, then your ubudiyah should be for him. So these are the first three things. Uh, the fourth thing, Allah khalaq. And fourth thing is that he is the same one who created you. So this is the first line of revelation, the first line that is being recited. Then some tafsil about an aspect of creation, khalaq al-insana min alaq. And this has been done before that Allah Subhanahu wa created humanity from alaq, from a congealed clot, uh, from a fertilized zygote, however you want to call it, from a congealed clot of blood. <coughs> then again comes the command for Ikra. Ikra was repeated here because the first Ikra was directed towards the Prophet to recite. And here, uh, from verse 3 onwards, some of us is now is to recite to others. So I mean, the first two lines was enough to tell the Prophet about Allah SWT. And from verse 3, by saying Ikra again, now it's a notion that you have to stand and rise and recite this to others to do dawah. You are being bestowed with Nabuwa. You are going to be a prophet. You will have to tell and inform and invite other people to this Rabb of yours. Ikra wa Rabbukal Akram. So you should recite and know that your Rabb is Al Akram, is the most Kareem, is the most generous. So here's it to indicate that Allah subhanahu wa has, first of all, all of these things. Number one, that Allah ta'ala has taught you his name, this is his karam. That he is your rub, that he does your rububiyah, that is his karam. That he even created us in the first place, that is his karam. He had no need whatsoever and has gotten no benefit whatsoever by creating us or by nourishing and upbringing us. So all, or even by... Uh, Allah Ta'ala Himself had no need to even send Anbiya upon us to guide us. All of this is done by the Kalam of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So when all of this incredible Kalam of Allah Ta'ala is being mentioned together, Allah Ta'ala's name is being taught Al-Akram, Al-Nadi Allama bin Qalam. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is that being who is taught humanity by means of the Kalam. <coughs> So Allama, first even if we just start with here the word Allama means Allah Sponsor is going to teach humanity. So first is that humanity has zero ilm and Allah Ta'ala has all the ilm. So then after, not ilm isn't the first thing, the first thing that is going to be the emanation from Allah Sponsor humanity is that Ikra, is Kira'a, is recitation of revelation. And then after recitation of revelation, the second engagement that Allah Ta'ala has with humanity, Allama is ta'leem, is to educate them, to give them knowledge for that which they did not know. So the first aspect Allah Ta'ala has mentioned, knowledge, is learning. Learning is done orally through writing. Different ways Allah Ta'ala has taught, right? Sayyidina Adam Islam had oral language, some different aqwal from different as to which Nabi was first given the ilm of the kalam, but certainly writing is an aid to knowledge. Now here Sayyidina Rasulullah himself is not a writer, is not a person who can write, uh, but the ishara here is that this kira'a of this recitation is also going to be written. They're going to be katibin wahi. So one way that this revelation is going to be taught to humanity is going to be recited by the ancient Gabriel to the Prophet Second is going to, it's going to be written down and transcribed. It's going to be 
Mm-hmm. Yes, and then recite it from sight reading as we are all reciting it now. And Allah taught humanity what they did not know, what they never knew, what they never could have known. So this is showing that ilm is something that transcends aql. The ilm of wahi is something that could never arise from the aql. The ilm that is taught by Allah Ta'ala is something no human being could ever arrive at. Therefore, when we cast aside revelation and prophecy in the knowledge taught by Allah Ta'ala, rely merely on our aql, we will never be able to reach truth and wisdom. Truth and wisdom comes from Allah Ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala alone. Aql is just a tool for knowledge. It is not the source of knowledge. The source of knowledge in our deen is Allah Ta'ala is revelation and prophecy and is ilham and his hidayah and his inspiration and his guidance Verses 6 to 13 were revealed now a bit later in Makkah Mukarramah when Sayyidina Rasulullah began to a bit more openly start preaching uh, the deen of Islam that indeed insan goes to an excess is rebellious uh, who rebels against Allah SWT. why? he rebels against Allah SWT because he considers himself to be independent of Allah SWT. he doesn't need Allah SWT. here Allah Ta'ala is mentioning that why in the world would somebody not respond to the kira and the ilm of Rabbukal Akram it's going to be for this reason because of their arrogance and rebellion and because they don't think they need Allah's bond. This is the prime reason why people will spurn and turn away from revelation and turn away from Dabuat and prophethood. <coughs> but they should know that each and every single person, indeed the return itself, for all return will be towards your Rabb alone. When they do that, then they will see the consequences of their disobedience and their rebellion. And verses 9 to 13 are specifically about Abu Jahl, but they're generally addressing people who disbelieve and scoff. That do you not see, and are you not looking at that person who prevents who? Who is trying to prevent my servant and slave when he wants to perform salat to me? That tell me that if this slave is following hidayah, or he is enjoining people to follow taqwa, so is it that, uh, is it, do you see that if he is scoffing or falsifying the truth, or he turns away, does he not know that Allah SWT is watching him? Kalla, oh no. If he does not cease, if he does not desist, so again this is written about Abu Jahl, but anybody who prevents anyone from salah, prevents anyone from enjoining taqwa, right, turning away and spurning uh, the teachings of deen, if they don't, if they don't cease and stop and desist, so, so, that we will certainly drag him by the forelock that we will take him by lying, sinning forelock means we will drag him by his head let him then call upon whomsoever he calls his company, his counsel then says so we will call the angels of punishment we will call that strict and severe guard who are the angels who punish Allah. No, no, never it can be the case. La that you should never ever 
uh, obey him and then Allah Ta'ala says and then you should instead perform sajda and you should draw yourself close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so what does it mean here uh, so from 9 to 13 specifically about Abu Jahl means anybody who disbelieves must desist if the person doesn't desist and then get humiliation in this world as well Abu Jahl himself was killed in the battle of Badr and different kuffar may get humiliated in many ways it may and you may never even be able to see. Their deeds can never ever be excused. And then here, not that Nabi himself could ever ever listen to him or obey him, uh, when Allah SWT said that you should not, uh, that you should never ever obey him. Now the Prophet would never have obeyed him, but it means don't even listen to him. Don't even let his opposition deter you one iota from your own da'wah, from your own mission and message of Nabuwa, and you should always and always keep doing sadda, and I discussed this with you before sadda, and by means of that sadda you will draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this also, end of this surah also makes it clear that the qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be attained, and there's a certain type of qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that can be attained only and only through ibadah, and people who don't do ibadah at all and think that nonetheless they're still close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala well there's no way they could be getting that qurm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is mentioned here it also means that one of the feelings of qurm come to a person especially when they do sajda so this is the ayah about Laylatul Qadr this is something that all of us know about we would have done the month of Ramadan Allah says indeed that we have revealed this Quran al-Kareem on the night of Qadr and what in the world will convey to you what could possibly convey to you make you realize and know what is Laylatul Qadr Laylatul Qadr so here Allah Ta'ala doesn't explain exactly what it is, but one way to express its power to us is that it's even better than Al-Fishar. So a thousand months is about 80-something years. Khairum, Allah Ta'ala knows best how it is. 1,000 months is 83 years and 4 months. But this is khair than that, and that is unlimited. Allah Ta'ala has not set any limit on that. This much we know that 1,000 months today is like a maximum lifespan. 83 years is about as much as almost anyone. Illa mashallah, few will live beyond that. So it means it's more than an entire lifetime. The power and value of this one night is more than enough lifetime. And to honor that power and value, even the angels come. So all of the angels come down That means the angel Jibreel also comes down in that night By leave and by command of their Rabb By permission of Allah And they come down to decree each and every matter in decree Salam That this is a night that is peace itself and that peace lasts all the way until the rise, until the breaking, until the rising or breaking of the dawn. There are many, many sayings as to when Laylatul Qadr is simply the most summary saying is that it will be one of the odd nights in the last 10 days of Ramadan, yani 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, 29th, one of those nights. And there's a lot of wisdom and hikmah uh, that many ulama have mentioned why we don't know when Laylatul Qadr is, so that we would seek it out, that we would get the reward of doing five nights of ibadah, uh, and that so we would not confine ourselves to just a single night. But yes, there is some sense that there is a greater chance of it being on the 27th, but it's not necessarily guaranteed. There are more details on Leil Taqadr that can be found in many talks and discussions that take place before and during Ramadan and in the last 10 days. 
Ruh is special mention here, we've done before the angel Jibreel uh, and uh, this salam lasts all the way until Fajr now what does it mean that whenever that salam starts but the meaning is that the salam should start the whole night uh, but the point is it lasts all the way to Fajr so even if a person is not able to worship the whole night or half the night or one third of the night even if they cast the very last part of the night the salam or the peace in that night will last all the way until the end next surah is surah Bayina. Surah Bayina Bayina means the evidence. Lam yukun alayna kafiru min ahli kitabi wa mushrikina min faqina hatta ta'tihun bayina. So first thing that we should see here is that the disbelievers, alladhina kafiru min ahli kitab. This is a very important thing because there are some people who think that the ahli kitab are one category and the kuffar are one category and the mu'maneen are another category. No, there are two categories, iman and kufr. Within the Ahli Kitab, there are those who are Alladina Amunumin Ahli Kitab, those who took Iman, and this verse is crystal clear, explicit, and a lot of the deviant understandings that few people spread and few people listen to today is that no, the Ahli Kitab are not unbelievers. They are people who deny and disbelieve in Quran, and they deny and disbelieve in Sayyidina Rasulullah, and those are acts of kufr, right? And everything has an expiry. All of the previous religions and scriptures and prophets have expired. Their validity has expired. Now the only prophet and book which whose validity remains is Quran al-Karim and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu So those who are alladhina kafiru min ahl kitab those who disbelieve and deny from the people of the book wal mushrikeen and they are uh, and the idol worshippers uh, so munfaqeen hatta they will not desist until a clear sign comes to them. So in the time of Jahiliyyah, the Mushrikeen were very strong in their beliefs and the Ahl al-Kitab were also very strong in their beliefs. So there was no hope or expectation that they would change, uh, they would stop or desist in their religion and their ways until a clear sign came to them. So because Allah Ta'ala wanted to guide these Ahl al-Kitab whose Christian and Jewish scriptures had become corrupted and these Mushrikeen who were uh, in idolatry, so Allah Ta'ala sent a bayana to them. Allah Ta'ala sent a clear sign and evidence to them. And what was that? Rasulum min Allahi. So the two things in here, the Tazkirah is first of Sayyidina Rasulullah means the Qur'an is the Bayina, the Prophet is the Bayina, but the Qur'an cannot come without the Prophet So the first thing, the clear sign is Sayyidina Rasulullah himself, he is honest, he is noble, he is asadiq, he is ameen, so he is a Bayina to them, and he is from amongst them and living amongst them. And he is coming reciting, uh, you know, pure scriptures, literally immaculate scrolls. It means he is reciting pure scriptures, fiha kudubun kiyima, and in which, uh, in which are just decrees, uh, in which are decrees or ordinances that are absolutely just and straightforward and steadfast. So it means the, the Prophet himself, the Qur'an al-Karim itself, and the content, the content of that revelation and prophecy. All of these things are a bayana, are an evidence. It means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done itmami hujjah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down sufficient guidance that can testify to the falsehood of their beliefs and bring them into truth. And those who were given the 
the Ahli Kitab, the people of the scriptures, they did not divide amongst one, one another. They did not divide amongst themselves until after the Bayana came to them. Which means that uh, earlier on the Jews and the Christians were united with each other. But when the Biyah came to some evidence and himself and Quran Karim came, they divided from one another. Some of the Mushrikeen of Makkah Makarama, they used to actually even think some of them, they were following the religion of Ibrahim salam. And the Ahli Kitab had never tried to take them off of their religion. <coughs> and they have not been commanded to do anything except that they should worship Allah subhanahu wa solely, exclusively, purely for Him and dedicating their deen entirely from Hunafa'a. And they should be sincere inherently from their sincere Hanif, Hunafa'a, means they should be devoted, devotees to Him from their heart and their conscience. And they should regularly establish the salah, and they should pray and offer the zakah, and this is the deen al qayyim, this is the true, upright, true religion. And indeed, those who disbelieve from the people of the book will mushrikina and all of the idol worshippers, they will be in the fire of hellfire and they will live and dwell therein forever. And this, they are the worst of creation. Right? So, this also makes it clear that the disbelievers from the Ahli Kitab will face a punishment by Allah Sponta for their kufr and they are labeled as the worst of creation. They are that worst, they are that Asfal al And as far as the Asn al Taqweem, who are there in the Ladina Amanu Amal Salihati Ulaqum Bariya, those are Iman of your righteous acts and works and deeds, they are indeed the very best of creation. Jazahum in the Rabbihim. And their true reward lies in their Rabb, in the presence in their Rabb. So it can mean, number one, that their reward is going to be given to them by Allah Ta'ala. Second means the reward is that they will be in the Rabbihim, they will be with their Rabb, where that they will be dwelling in gardens and leaves, river and flows, and they will dwell there in forever. Radiallahu anhum wa an. That Allah Spalta is pleased with each and every one of them, waladu anhu, and they are uh, pleased with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But all of this is for that person who fears their Rabb. So again, we had the key importance of khashiya, which we have highlighted in the past few days. Fearing Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is what is going to enable a person to get this jannah. Also, this is a proof that Allah Ta'ala's pleasure is for all of the people who enter into Jannah. This, so not just for Sahaba Ikram, we know it at the level of Yaqeen for all Sahaba, that we can say, anhu, if there is one that a person very strongly feels led a life of piety, then it would be jaiz, jaiz permissible indeed, to say, anhu, after them. The important thing is that the greatest blessing they got was the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this is if they feared Allah subhanahu wa Next is Surah Zazal. So when the earth will shake violently, again these are alamat of Qiyamah. Some have said that this is a zilzal that will take place before the first blast, which is the sign of the end of time. Others have said that no, this is the earthquake that is going to take after the end of time and that is a sign of the coming of the Day of Judgment and when the dead will be brought back to life. Some have said that no, this can happen both times. And again, the earth will unload its burdens, means all of the human beings will spill out, all of the treasures will spill out. 
that's the ultimate meaning. But it also means that anything that is good in it will also be unloaded from the earth. Makala insanu malaha. And then the other meaning is that the earth has witnessed uh, everything that a person has done, and so the earth will unload its burden that somebody did sin on me, somebody did somebody did murder on me, somebody did some crime on me. So that was a burden that the earth was carrying for so long, and finally it will be able to spill it out. Makala insanu malaha. So the earth, uh, the humanity will say that what's the matter with this earth? Means what's the matter with it that it is actually saying uh, what? I did upon it. This will be the day that the earth shall narrate her stories. You know, sort of like they say, if the walls could speak. So imagine that if the earth could speak, and on that day the earth will speak, and it will mention and relate all of the information. Uh, in the way that your Rub will command her, will command that earth and inspire that earth to do so. And on that day, then humanity will go out separately, and they will all be shown their a'mal, and will witness and see their deeds and actions. And whosoever did even an atom's weight, iota's weight, a drop, a bit of good will see it. And then anybody who did even atom's weight or iota or drop of evil will see that as well means a person will be recompensed for each and every single thing. The ultimate khair is iman, and the ultimate shar is kufr. So it can even mean that anybody who had even a drop of iman will see it there for them. But anybody who had even a drop of kufr will see it there for them. Anybody who had a drop of nifaq will see it there for them. Khair can also be amal, the slightest of good deeds that we did, we will find it there for them. But the slightest of bad deeds that we did and we didn't repent from it, we will find it there uh, waiting for us as well, <coughs> next is Surah Adiyat. Here Allah Ta'ala is taking some qasam. First qasam is by the horses. These are the horses of the <coughs> Mujahideen. These are certain horses, war horses, horses that were the horses that were the cavalry of the Mujahideen, steeds and mounts of war. So there were certain sifat that Allah Subhanahu loved in them, that Allah Ta'ala is swearing by them, and Allah Ta'ala is going to then compare them, their devotion to their human master, compare that to the ingratitude of man to Allah Subhanahu who is Malik, who is his true master. And again, you find this many times, Allah Ta'ala keeps swearing by different types of creation. This is why some of the ulama have felt the faras or the horses have a certain karam because Allah Ta'ala has sworn by them and that's why Hanafi fiqh also we don't eat the meat of the horses because they do khidmah because they do khidmah the mujahid and Allah Ta'ala has sworn by them. And this is many times we've explained to you in talks how the horse uh, loyally serves its master. So Allah Ta'ala swears by the horses uh, that snort or pant means as they gallop. Second, they kick up sparks that fly when they strike their hooves. Third, that they uh, subha they attack and assault in the dawn in the morning. and they leave dust behind them. They cause dust to fly behind them. and they penetrate into the midst and center and the heart of the enemy's ranks, and they do it jam on all together. So look at the loyalty of the horse. That there may be so many spears waiting for it, there may be so many swords waiting for it, but it does not look at any of that. It is ever grateful and loyal to its master. Compare this to. 
insan innal insana lirabbihi lakanood that undoubtedly indeed humanity is indeed ungrateful to their rub we don't have sugar we have we're in a state of kanood that is a person kanood is that person who uh, always remembers their difficulties and worries and always forgets and overlooks their blessings and eases and comforts is always complaining is always unhappy is always ungrateful it's that type of sense of ungratefulness even though they have blessings they forget that being who sent those blessings down to them uh, and this is what then indeed they bear witness to that uh, and they realize and they can see this ingratitude coming from them and khair he means mal so they're in fact and that means that wealth and property has a certain khair in it that it saves you from being poor saves you from being dependent and asking for others so he is extremely shadid, extremely intense in their love for wealth and you can even say shadid means almost violently loving they almost violently love wealth means a love that brings shidda a love that brings harshness a love that hardens the heart a love that hardens the soul a love that brings greed that can move a person to violence but do they not know do not remember that they will come a day that whatever lies in the graves will be tossed out will be raised and whatever lies in the chest will be exposed and indeed on that day their Rabb shall certainly will know all about them on that day. So this is Allah Ta'ala again reminding somebody about the Day of Judgment. Uh, that um, <coughs> that everything that is in our hearts will be exposed means not just our deeds but our feelings and our motives and our intentions and our thoughts all of that will come out and Allah Ta'ala knows each and everything he is Khabir in this world but he will manifest and show how Khabir he was about us on the day of judgment and so this is the uh, call by Allah Ta'ala that we should reform ourselves reform our acts and our deeds and our feelings and emotions you can call this the catastrophe the calamity uh, you know there are many different ways you can call this Malqariya, uh, what is that qariya? What is that calamity and catastrophe? What will convey to you what that calamity is? It is that day when humanity will be like scattered moths. So if you see moths all of a sudden running, each one will be running from one another. Each one will be unaware of the other, banging into one another, fleeing from one another. All mayhem. Complete chaos and mayhem. And the mountains will be like the carded, fluffed, uh, carded, fluffed world. Means it will be just fluffed. They will become to nothing. This we've done for you before. And that person whose balance on the scales is heavy, they will be and a life that will be pleasant and pleasing to them. Much discussion on what does it mean. It could be the deeds are weighed in terms of the ink. It could be the deeds are weighed in terms of the book of deeds. It could mean that weighing just means Allah Ta'ala assessing our deeds and not necessarily physically weighing them. Either way, there will be a balance, there will be some type of scale on which will be measured and assessed. If we, if our khair comes heavy on that, we will be in a pleasing life. Whosoever scale is light, then فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةً so their home, their abode will be Hawiya. Mahia. And how will you ever know what this Mahia is? Mahia, uh, Mahia is Narun Hamiya. 
<coughs> what will you, how will you ever know what, what this is, and what that Hawiya is? Narun Hamiya, it is the raging, blazing fire. So Hawiya, you can call Hawiya like an abyss, an endless, bottomless abyss, pit of fire. And what is that? That is a Narun Hamiya, that is a raging, blazing fire. I think, it, again, self-explanatory. Uh, the notion of scale is something that all of you know. Uh, and even one good deed could weigh heavily on our scales, but you never know one, how heavily one sin can weigh on your scales. And certainly so many hadiths talk about uh, one iman and one deed and one slip of paper and one tear on this side, but how do we know that maybe there's one sin that was left unforgiven, one sin that we didn't make toba for, maybe one... Uh, you know, one bad intention, one bad thought, one bad feeling. Who knows the weight that Allah Ta'ala will give to our sins? So we can never take that chance. Al Aman Al Hafiz, that may Allah Ta'ala give each and every one of us a life of Amal Al Sali. At Takathar. Al Mudabin Shadar Bismillah. Al Hakum At Takathar. Hatta Zurtum Al Makabir. That, okay, At Takathar is vying for more wealth. Vying and competing for more and more wealth. So Allah SWT is saying is that this attakathur, trying to amass more and more wealth, al-hakum, it distracts you. Remember, latul hihim tajaratun malabiyun andikrillah. So al-hakum, it distracts you, diverts you from the zikr of Allah attakathur, and more and more and more. This verse simply tells you the ultimately atheistic nature of capitalism. Capitalism is takathur, al-hakum is atheism. The unlimited, unrestrained pursuit of wealth, profit, and greed will ultimately distract you. Distract you but from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and will keep distracting you until death means hatta zurtum al makabr until you visit your graves, means until you reach and enter into your graves. Kalla sawfata the moon and then at that time indeed you will know. Thumma kalla sawfata the moon and indeed and then but but you will know. Thumma kalla sawfatan but then all oh you will know. <coughs> if only you could, if only you knew with certain knowledge, you would see that blazing fire. You would definitely see the blazing fire of Jahannam. <coughs> and then you would see it with the eye of Yakin. So there is Ilmul Yakin, Ainul Yakin, Ilmul Yakin, Yakin means to see something, Ilmul Yakin means to know something certainly exists. And then when it comes in front of you, Ayn Yaqeen, you see it with certainty. And Haqqul Yaqeen means when you enter it, when you experience it. So Allah SWT is saying that if you had Ilmul Yaqeen, you would certainly get Ainul Yaqeen. Uh, that would then, if you were so certain about its existence, then you would stay away from all of the sins and all of the actions and sins that would earn a person that fire of Jahannam. Alright? And what happens is when a person uh, hears about death and Jahannam, that's the revelation, that's Ilmul Yaqeen. When the angels come to him and take him away, that's Ilmul Yaqeen. And on the day of judgment, when he is actually uh, facing that, that will be also, you can call it, how can you get Thumma, Latus Aluna, Yomi, and then on name. And then on that day, you will be questioned about each and every bounty and blessing that you have. Every single blessing that we had, did we use it in the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala? Did we lose it within the halal? How did we spend our life? How did we spend our youth? How did we spend our health? How did we spend our wealth? How did we spend our knowledge? How did we spend our time? Every single ni'mah that Allah Ta'ala gave us, how did we spend our house? How everything that Allah Ta'ala gave us, we will be asked about that. 
the elites are so arrogant about their education and their wealth and their homes and their cars they condescend and patronize and look down and find faults and critique and others and not every elite person does this right but that elite who is not following the Quran and Sunnah has not humbled themselves by deen they will inevitably do this the only thing that can keep them from this is deen and they think their wealth will keep them make them last forever the no 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 they will never be able to last forever and if they are the fault finder the mocking critic the person who is amassing wealth so they will be certainly thrown and cast and flung into Al-Hutama and what can tell you what that Al-Hutama is that is the fire of Allah that has been kindled and light and a light means by Him so imagine that Allahul Azim when He lights a fire what type of fire that would be Right? That is what this Al-Hutama is. So you can call it, uh, literally it means the thresher that breaks into pieces. Al-Hutama is this uh, destructive fire. Alright? And where did, how does that fire do? The core of the kalb. So it means that that fire will penetrate deep. It will be purely melting. It will enter the core of the core of a person. It will be seeking out. Like today you have guided seeking infrared missiles. This fire of Jahannam will seek out the core of the core of the person and will melt and roast and burn every single thing that is coming in the way of that person and so and, and that's what Allah is saying innaha alayhim muqsada so it will certainly enclose over them and it will be locked over them fi amadim mabaddada and it will come in columns and extended columns and pillars meaning leaping up flames coming upon the person and again we are just basically translating here right few comments here surat al-fim that have you not seen how your Rabb he dealt with the people who are Ashab al-Fil so who are Ashab al-Fil this is uh, an army this is a person called Abraha who was appointed by the king of Abyssinia to act as the governor of Yemen and he decided to bring a temple and he wanted that all of the people in Arabs and Arabs and all the people in Makkah all the Arabs who used to view Makkah as the center and the major place they should all come to his Yemeni Kaaba so he made this Yemeni temple of his and he wanted people to come uh, and then he made a proclamation in Yemen that nobody can go and visit Makkah Makkah and visit the Kaaba. Here it's a story that all of you know. At some point then he got permission to, from the king everything that he wanted to march on uh, the Kaaba. And he took an oath that he would destroy the Kaaba. So he came with, uh, with an army of elephants. Uh, and he crushed everything on his way. And when the army reached Taif, then the Banu Thaqif tribe, which was living there, decided not to resist him, because they had heard that how he had obliterated everybody else in their path. And so then Abraha then continued past the place of Taif, and then he reached the place of where the grazing grounds of the camels of Quraysh, which used to belong to the grandfather Abdul Muttalib of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. From this place then, he dispatched a messenger to the people of Christ saying he didn't want to fight, uh, but if he wants to conquer peacefully, but if they oppose him and object, uh, they oppose him in his objective of destroying the Kaaba, then he will obliterate anyone who stands in his way. Now what happened is Abdul Muttalib, who was the grandfather of Sayyidina Rasulullah told them that they 
uh, don't have the power to oppose him. But they said that look, the Kaaba is Allah's house and that was built by rebuilt by Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam and so they know that Allah Ta'ala is going to protect that Kaaba. Uh, and then when Abraha he met Abdul Muttalib uh, and he sat down and he spoke to them and Abdul Muttalib said that look he's come from my camels because your soldiers have in, in, uh, intruded on my area and you've taken my camels. Uh, here. So then when he told Abraha this, Abraha said that your God cannot protect the Kaaba from me. And then Abdul Muttal said, okay, you can go ahead and come and do as you please. So when he entered Makkah Mukarramah with his army, he proceeded straight to the Kaaba. And uh, Abdul Muttal, he went back and he made dua first uh, to Allah SWT to protect the Kaaba. And a large number of the Quraysh also joined him in that dua. The next morning then Abraha brought his army uh, towards Makkah Mukarramah. And uh, these birds, which are Ababil, and Alama Waqidi in his tafsirs mentioned that these birds were some unknown birds that they have never seen before. And Sayyidina Sayyid ibn Musayyid has narrated anyways the long hadith about these birds. So they were sending down rocks. Uh, and those rocks basically destroyed the elephants uh, and they were going straight through anything. So you can understand that simply speaking by bullets, right? So even if you, I mean a bullet is very small, but imagine if there were a few elephants that are coming and you had a big machine gun, right? And you sprayed it with bullets, all the elephants and all the elephants would be finished. Now imagine if from on the sky, unlimited bullets are raining down on an army, the whole army will be finished. So the mechanism Allah Ta'ala used was instead of a bullet, was this particular uh, bird, which was carrying maybe a bullet-sized stone in them. Alright? And this is the agreed-upon tafsir of the entire ummah, uh, there's one fellow in Lahore who has taken a different tafsir of this on his own. Alright. So, Allah Ta'ala Kefala Baka Basab said, Did not see how Rabb treated the army of the people of the elephant. Did he not put them into Zilla? Did he not foil their strategy, lay waste to all their strategy? And how wa arsalayim tayran ababil. So Allah Subhanahu sent against them flocks and flocks and flights and flights of these birds called ababil. And what were they doing? Tarmihim rami. They were pelting them bihijaratim min sajil. And they were pelting them with pebbles made of rock hard clay. And what did that happen? Faja'allahum ka'asfim makul. And it made them look like stubble of grain that has been consumed, like pock marked eaten fodder. That is what happened here. Next surah is surah Quraysh. So this is from the ilaf, for the union, familiarity, for the joining of the Quraysh. Ilaf it was safe, and their familiarity, familiarity and collaboration, traveling in the winter and the summer. So what they ought to do, they should do ibadah of Rabbahadul Bayt, they should do ibadah of the Rabb of this house. So Allah SWT told Sayyidina Ibrahim to construct the Kaaba and announce the Hajj, right? And Allah Ta'ala saved this Kaaba from the attack of the Ashabul field. At this point then what happened is that the trade journeys of the Quraysh is what made Makkah Mukarramah a big center. A big center of trade and they used to travel in on trade in all the different seasons and the summers and the winters. So Allah is mentioning his ni'mah on them. Allah is mentioning their 
bless his blessing on them that they Allah Ta'ala has blessed them so much they should accept deen of Islam they should do ibadah of the rub of this bait because everything they've gotten is due to the people who are coming to do pilgrimage of this bait and who is that rub that he fed them in hunger so he took them uplifted them from a state of economic need to prosperity and he gave them safety from fear which means he protected them from that army of Abraham and any other person who came and he gave them strength so it means that Allah Ta'ala is saying that all of the blessings he's put on the people of Quraysh means the people of Quraysh should uh, the Quraysh of Makkah Makarramah should worship him did you not see that person who denies deen, right? And it can be denies deen, it can be denies the day of judgment, denies the day of deen. And this is the person who scoffs the orphan, who pushes the orphan away, who rebuffs and rejects the orphan. And does not encourage the feeding of the poor. So what does Allah subhanahu wa say to this person? And woe be to such a worshipper who are neglectful who are neglectful of their salah who are inattentive to their salah This can mean number one that they neglect their salah but not praying it Right? So this is not praying is obligatory doesn't mean that if we don't do it there's no cost or inside their salah their sahun, they're forgetful inside their salah, right? It means an, it's not fi salatim sahun, it's an salatim sahun, that they neglect their prayer. But one way to neglect the prayer is also to neglect the button of the prayer, to neglect the zikr that should have taken place inside the prayer. Why do they neglect the prayer? The rabbit is alladinahum yurauna. They are ostentatious, they want to show off, right? They put on appearances. So this is also a reason. Uh, that sometimes people neglect uh, their prayer. So one is those who don't perform their salah, one who are un- even unawares of the times of salah, they perform the salah without performing it correctly, or they're not even attentive in salah. All of these things are mentioned. Some people are worried that what will they think of me? What will, what will they say if I get up from the meeting and say I need to pray salah? What will she say if I'm shopping in the mall and I have to pray salah? What will they say if I need to get up on the plane and pray salah? What will they say if they say stop the day with bus and pray salah? They're worried. What will people think? What will people? They're not worried about what Allah Ta'ala will think. What Allah Ta'ala will say. They're worried about how they look in the eyes of people when it comes to something that is fun, something that is fundamental. If something was crucial to your life, if you were dying of hunger, you wouldn't worry what people would think if you ate. Salah is crucial to our spiritual life. We cannot worry what people would think if we pray. وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ And uh, they're withholding even the most minor assistance uh, they withhold even the most minor things. What does that mean? That there are some things that are insignificant that won't even decrease your wealth significantly if you give them away, but they're so greedy that they don't even want to do that. All right. So each of these six things, uh, in each of the six verses uh, of uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in the last six verses, has condemned uh, six different attributes attributes that no one should have. These are the traits of the kuffar, but we should make sure that none of us have that. And, and sometimes ma'un has also been said zakat, because zakat is such a small amount, one fortieth, that if you give that away, it doesn't remove your or diminish your wealth in some type of devastating way, but they're withholding. Uh, ma'un can also mean zakat.
This is Surat Al-Qawthar. Al-Qawthar means abundance. Allah says that indeed we have given you, Sayyidina Rasulullah Al-Qawthar, the abundance. So this is the Makki Surah, and this is the shortest Surah of Qur'an Al-Karim. And this Al-Qawthar is something that will be given to Sayyidina Rasulullah on the Day of Judgment, and it will be something that is uniquely given to him, like Maqam al-Mahmud is a Maqam that will be uniquely given to him. So first is the Hawd of Qawthar, that is a fountain or a big pond or a lake of Qawthar, uh, that the Prophet will be giving the Sahaba Kram uh, and all of the righteous Mu'mineen to drink from. Sayyidina Rasulullah said that the journey from one end to the from one end of the pond of Qawthar to the other one is one month long. And every side of it is one month long. Alright? There uh, are many hadith about this, uh, of, uh, about the nature of Qawthar and its, the, the, the wondrous liquid that is in therein and the wondrous smell and fragrance that comes from that liquid. But then what will happen is on the day of judgment people will be suffering from extreme thirst and the Mu'mineen will be able to, and this will be the only water that is available on the entire day of judgment is the water from Qawthar. And so that person will, uh, but there will be people who try to reach the Qawthar and then the angels will push them away because they will say that this is only that place for Sayyidina Rasulullah who has been given this bounty. So here is Salah and Wanhar is the animal sacrifice. So here Salah is generally to pray Salah and Nahar is uh, the Udhiya or to slaughter uh, an animal. This is referring to the Udhiya of which is coming 10th, 11th, 12th of Zulahijjah. Then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, and some have said this is pertaining to Kaab ibn Ashraf. Uh, but indeed, in the Sha'niyaka, even the one who hates you is your enemy, who will abtar. Abtar can mean he will be unknown, abtar can also mean he will be without issue, he will be without offspring. Uh, so some have said this refers to the leader of the Jews of Medina. Surah Kafirun, Kuyayu Kafirun, La Abadumata Abadun, Wala Antum Abaduna Maabud, Wala Ana Abadum Maabadum, Wala Antum Abaduna Maabud, Lukum, Deenukum, Waliyadin. This is a surah that I mentioned to you this year earlier when it was revealed that when they tried to have this compromise these four mushrikim came to the Baltimore and said that let's both worship what we both believe in together and Sayyidina Rasulullah denied this and the Antal revealed this verse to make it more clear even to all of the Mu'maneen that this could never ever happen. So, Kul say to them, proclaim to them, my beloved Messenger, oh you disbelievers, La Abdu, I can never ever worship Ma, any of that which Ta'budun that you worship. Wala antum, and nor are you such people, Abiduno, who are worshipping Ma, that one Allah that that I worship. Wala ana Abidum Ma Abadum, and I am not a worshipper of all that which you worship. Wala antum Abiduna Ma Abud, and then again it's forbidden that nor are you worshippers of that which I worship. Lukum dinukum, waliyadeen, and to you your deen, and to my my deen. And this does not mean that that the Prophet is saying it's okay now I stopped the dawah no but Sayyidina says I reject compromise I reject that we should blend these two deens I reject syncretism I reject all of this it can never happen this is this deen and there is your deen there is no blending them there is no merging them there is no compromise between them there is no joining between them it doesn't mean here that lukum dinukum you're accepting other people's deens or anybody can be on any deen that they want certainly that's your free choice but the Islamic perspective is that only and only the deen of Islam is haq in the deen in the lahi Islam that the only deen that is acceptable in the eyes of Allah is al-Islam 
This is Surah Al-Nasr and the Spanta saying that indeed when the Nasr, when the help of Allah Spanta's victory comes, when Allah Spanta's help and fat is help and victory comes. And you see that there, people are entering the deen of Islam en masse, in droves and droves and droves. Then what should you do? That you should do the tasbih of your Rabb. And you should glorify the hamd of your Rabb. You should glorify the praise of and you should seek istighfar from him. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu is the ultimate relenter. He is all merciful and relenting to those who... So here, first of all, this is addressing Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And obviously, the Prophet was always doing tasbih and tahmid. Uh, all the time, but here is a specific thing that when Allah Ta'ala sends His help and victory, so the victory here is referring to the conquest of Makkah, and Surah Nasr was revealed two years or so before the Apostle passed away. And uh, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, his marifat was when this verse was revealed, he realized that the time for the Prophet uh, mm, left on this earth was very little, right? So what we learn from this is that whenever Allah subhanahu wa gives us help, gives us victory, and especially this is a school for the Dai, that when Allah Ta'ala gives him help and gives him victory and many people start entering the deen, they have to make istik first, they have to do tasbih, they have to not acknowledge anything, they should not view themselves as praiseworthy, they should glorify that all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa alone, and they should make istighfar for any of the sins and shortcomings and deficiencies that they may have done, and they can hope that after all of this nusrat and all of this fat, I have to make tawbah and Allah Ta'ala is a tawab that same Allah Ta'ala who has bestowed help upon me and victory upon me that same Allah Ta'ala can relent upon me with his mercy and forgive me for my sins This is something that all of you would know so here Allah subhanahu wa specifically and probably one of the most sternest, either this or Walid, some of the most sternest passages in Qur'an al by any individual particular uh, kafir. So Allah subhanahu wa says that Tabbat, may they be ruined and destroyed the two hands of Abu Lahab and may they be shattered. Uh, and neither his wealth nor any of the things that he has acquired and earned will be of any avail, will not avail him or help in any way. That soon, surely he will enter into the ro- enter and roast into the flaming fire. And his wife, when brought to his wife, Hammalat al Hatab, and his wife will be the, uh, will, uh, the uh, carrying the fuel, the firewood, and she will have a rope, uh, a very strong, big fiber rope around her neck. All right. So here, uh, Abu Lahab and his wife were two of the most. Uh, staunch opponents of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and uh, you should all know enough about this from the Surah Abu Lahab's hands are specifically mentioned here because he used to also throw stones at the Prophet and he is the one who threw the stones and caused the blessed heels of the Prophet to bleed uh, neither his wealth nor the things he should earn means he had so many wealth and none of his children or nothing that he has will be of any benefit to him so these were the things that he was relying upon. Uh, his wife, her name, her name was Arwa, and she was sometimes known as Umm Jamil, and she was the sister of Abu Sufyan. And she was also a terrible enemy 
uh, to the deen of Islam. So one of the things that she tried to do was she used to take this, carrying the wood, she used to take thorny branches and try to place them on the road where Sayyidina Rasulullah used to walk. Now of course the Prophet could easily walk over this, but this shows she was trying to do anything, uh, any way uh, in which uh, she could harm the Prophet Other Mufassirin have said that despite her wealth, she was extremely stingy and she wanted to carry the firewood herself instead of hiring someone. Others say that she used to tell slander and lies and carry tales from one person to another that is symbolically represented here by the firewood uh, hair. Many things uh, that are mentioned by this rope that was put around her, it could mean literally the rope she used to carry the fire, uh, to carry the firewood or to carry those sticks. Here you can read more details about Abu Lahab and his wife uh, in in the books of Sina. This is Surah Al-Ikhlas. Ikhlas, lies, sincerity, lies, and viewing that Allah Subhanahu is one alone. Fatah didn't call it Surah Al-Tawheed, Allah called it Surah Ikhlas. Say that Allah Subhanahu is one, Allah Subhanahu that Allah Subhanahu is the eternal and eternally independent. Lam yudid wa lam yudad, He does not beget nor has He begotten. Wa lam yakun lahu kufuman ahad, that there is none that is equal to Him, none that is same to Him. Alright? This is uh, an early surah, again, here's Allah SWT mentioning Quran al-Karim, the ultimate message of Tawheed, not having children and not being begotten, that is also clear. This is a rad of the ideas of the mushrikeen and the ideology of the kuffar. That Allah Taala is all eternal and self-sufficient, has no equal, uh, there is no rival or equal to Allah SWT, nothing can resemble Allah SWT in any way whatsoever. Say, I seek, and these two surahs are known as Muddatain. Uh, and Khair, uh, there was a person, a Jew, by the name of the Beard, who cast a spell over Sayyidina Rasulullah. So, this is why we know that the existence of magic does exist and black magic and people who try to use black magic and infiltrate black magic onto people these things do exist and Allah SWT protected Sayyidina Rasulullah and then through these two surahs in the end uh, have taught this entire ummah how we should seek refuge uh, from these types of black magic All right. so the different types of things that are going to be mentioned here in these two surahs simply speaking the khulasa of all of this is A'udhu birrab, birrab bil falak and birrab bin nas. Right? Birrab bil falak and birrab bin nas. So, what does it mean that we have to seek refuge? So I seek refuge with Rabbil Falak, with the Rabb of the morning horizon. Min ma Khalak from the shadow of everything that Allah Ta'ala has created. From the shadow of the darkness when it arrives, from the shadow of the evil of those women who blow on knots, and from the shadow of the evil when he envies. So all of the shadow, this is not an exhaustive list, but every single shadow, the two key things are Min ma Khalak, wa Min Sharriha Sadin Ida Hasad. 
from any evil that has been created by Allah and any evil that is created by humanity, we must seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala in all of that. Yes, some of the suburb of seeking refuge in that may be dua, may be dumb, may be to a very limited extent, ruqya, which is mentioned in hadith, right? Uh, maybe recitation of Quran, uh, really the way to be pure, uh, purely uh, preserved by Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to make oneself mahfuz, uh, to make oneself uh, so deep into taqwa and deen that Allah Subhanahu protects that person. I seek refuge in the I seek refuge in the Rabb of humanity, who is the Malik, who is the master and owner and king of humanity, Nas, who is the God of humanity, from the evil of the whisper who draws back, this is Shaitan, Allah the Yuvaswasu fi Nas, and the one who does waswasa and whispers into the breath of humanity, Minal Jinnati one Nas, whether it is Shaitan himself or any of his minions and assistants from the rest of the jinn or from humanity. So here we realize that it may be even an evil person, maybe peer pressure, maybe insinuation, maybe, you know, uh, many, many things. Uh, I, again, we are seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it means all refuge is to be sought in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we must seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from any and all evils in our own nafs as well, not just from the shayateen or from the creation or from human beings, but from the, all the evils in our nafs as well. So here, uh, that's about much could be said about these two surahs. Uh, but most of us would have known uh, that the seal of these two surahs, the important thing is that we must seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa He is the greatest one. He is the one who grants everything. He is the one who can take everything away. there are so many false fitness out there today so many false people out there today many use the Quran to spread their false ideology grant us the Quran of the Siddiqeen the Quran of the Salihin the Quran of the Zakirin the Quran of the Salihin the Quran of the Shuhada the Quran of the Mutawakkileen the Quran of the Tawabin the Quran of the Qanitin the Quran of the Sabirin Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us the Qur'an of the Nabiyeen and of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ya Allah, let us follow, truly follow the true followers of the Sunnah. Ya Allah, Rabbi Kareem, grant us Amal on Qur'an, Ishq of Qur'an, accept us for Khidmat of Qur'an. Let us feel the feelings of Qur'an. Each and every second of our life, let us be felt according to the feelings of Qur'an. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, your beloved Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that when the Qur'an is finished, it is the moment 
قبولیت دعا اے اللہ تعالیٰ یہاں سے چیو اکسپٹر دعاز ان دس دے اے رب کریم ہم سب کی گناہوں کو معاف فرما اے رب کریم سب کی دلی فریادوں کو قبول فرما اے رب کریم اس قرآن پڑھنے سے پہلے جو کچھ گناہ کی ان سب کو معاف فرما اس قرآن ختم کرنے کے بعد یا رب کریم ہمیں ہوش نصیب فرما علم نصیب فرما درد عطا فرما حفاظت والی زندگی نصیب فرما یا رب کریم ہم سب کو اپنے متقین صالحین میں سے بنا یا رب کریم جو بھی پریشان ہے ان کو پریشانیوں کو دور فرما جو مشکل میں ہے ان کی مشکلات کو آسان بنا جو اپنے نفس اور شیطان کی وجہ سے پریشان ہیں یا رب کریم ہمیں ہمت عطا فرما استقامت عطا فرما صبر عطا فرما تقو نصیب فرما یا رب کریم ہمیں ہمیشہ اپنے دین والا بنا ایمان والا اسلام والا احسان والا بنا یا رب کریم ہمارے دل میں آپ کی سچی محمد نصیب فرما سینا رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کی سچی محمد نصیب فرما تمام صدیقین اور صالحین کی سچی محمد نصیب فرما ہمیں ہمیشہ نیکوں کے ساتھ نتھی نصیب فرما نیکی کے کاموں میں ہمیں نصیب فرما نیکی کی باتوں ہمارے سننے میں نصیب فرما کریم ہمیں کبھی بھی محروم نہ فرما ہمیں کبھی بھی محروم نہ فرما ہم کو محرومین سے نکال کے مقبونین میں سے بنا بکریم ایک دفعہ تو ہم نے آپ کو قرآن کو پڑھ لیا سیکھ لیا سمجھ لیا بکریم اس ایک دفعہ کو کافی شافی بنا اس ایک پڑھنے پڑھانے میں اتنی ہدایت نصیب فرما بکریم کہ ہم بھی جنت والے بن سکیں ہم بھی جنت و فردوس والے بن سکیں بکریم برکت ادا فرما قبولیت ادا فرما تمام سامین حاضرین جہاں بھی سن رہے ہیں جب بھی سن رہے ہیں ان سب کے نیک شریف تمنا کو قبول فرما جو بھی شریک تھے یار بکریم ان سب کو بھی قبول فرما جو شریک نہ ہو سکے ہونا چاہے ان کو بھی قبول فرما یار بکریم اس پڑھنے پڑھانے کے سلسلے میں جس نے بھی جو بھی مدد کی جو دعا دی جو محبت دی جو خدمتیں کی یار بکریم سب کو اپنی طرف سے عظیم بدلہ احسان عطا فرما یار یا اللہ ہمیں جس طرح آپ نے قرآن پڑھنے پڑھانے کے لیے قبول فرمایا اسی طرح سنت اور حدیث پڑھنے پڑھانے والا بنائے یار بکریم پورا کا پورا دین کا علم ہمیں نصیب فرما اس علم پر پورا کا پورا عمل نصیب فرما اس علم اور عمل میں پورا کا پورا اخلاص نصیب فرما اور یار بکریم اپنی طرف سے پورا کا پورا قبولیت ہمیں عطا فرما ربنا تکمل منا ان کا انت سمیع العلیم و تب علینا ان کا انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا حمر الراحمين